does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Mark Dighton still in line, I believe, from Monday, KB, <laughs> uh, for a Magic Mountain. Is it Magic Mountain or Space Mountain? I can't remember uh, which We're one it try is. to delay the trip to Disney as long as the Bowen family can here. I, I was about to say, you're probably within, the what, the next year and a half or so? Little for, man's only a little over one, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so, so he doesn't Bowens, know what's going on. I have an older brother, Ryan, five and a half years older. Quick story here to start. Uh, we went to Disney when he and my cousin Aaron were you know, younger, obviously five and a half year gap so it, it was quite a, a bit of an age difference and they say uh, we get off the plane at the airport we see mickey my uncle tad yells <laughs> mickey come here i cry and they had a code word for me the rest of the trip uh, what was the code word character i don't know said code word but my dad said oh, we gotta find that out let's just say you and i spent a lot of times uh together that trip and we didn't see many characters so i think that's a precursor for my disney experience you're scared of the characters, <laughs> what's, of going, the characters. what's going on here uh well busy day today steven holder gonna join us eight o'clock hour jeremiah johnson will talk some pacers basketball with him uh, Indiana winners last night. We can dive into that. I did not think the Hoosiers were going to go on the road and win uh, in Michigan. I did not think that was going to be the case. By the way, Michigan basketball stinks, and I mean the state. Michigan and Michigan know, State Michigan lost state again. Yeah. Michigan State lost at home by double figures last night uh, to Wisconsin, so we can dive into that as well. And then, you know, I, I don't know if it's like – don't talk about it. Be quiet. We're in new studios today. It needs to be said. We, you know, we used to be up on floor six. I think okay? the background's a dead giveaway yeah. for our YouTube well, audience. I mean, out you know, there. we have a we have a robust YouTube audience, so I'm like, we need to let them know. Uh, so these poor we we have an engineer in here right now. These poor engineers have had to work day and night to move all the studios. So we went from six to where we had the um, you know we had the monument circle sure. uh, window there, and now we're in a bunker on uh, level four in the uh, infamous building here downtown. So this is where IBC is and everything else. Do I have to tell like a Trump joke first, uh, well, to get on the floor? What did I have to do? Do I have to yeah, I, do a, a trivia on, go down on Mike path. Pence or what uh, did I have to do here? The first YouTube comment is uh, some Uh-oh. nursing home interior aesthetic here <laughs> on the fourth floor. Thank you to Skylar Wood, his entire staff. <laughs> Outstanding job getting this set up. What a miserable job for them though. Honestly. Not ideal. And it'll be the Pacers and Bucks coming up yes, tomorrow. Yes, so we now know the final four of the in-season tournament. I think this is exactly what the NBA wants, to be totally honest with you. You've got the Bucks, you've got the Lakers, but then you also have a little bit of the feel-good nature of the Pacers and the Pelicans. So we'll preview that with Jeremiah Johnson coming up at 9 and start to get into Colts and Bengals because Andy Sweeney, these ones now, they are absolutely massive because now your opponent really, really matters. Like you, you, You've taken care of business against the bottom tier teams. Now you're playing teams that are very much in the playoff picture just like you, but I'd say right out of the gate, let's start in Ann Arbor. Without Xavier Johnson, you get a road win in the Big Ten. A couple things, Andy. They've weathered this storm. It, it was an ugly start to the year, but if you just strictly look at the resume... It's what, a 7-1 basketball team? Yeah, you're 2-0 in the Big it's Ten. 2-0 in the Big Ten. It's a couple of wins away from home. There's nothing great on the resume, but they've weathered the early storm. And I thought last night, Khalil Ware continues to be 
very, very good. He is super skilled, Andy, both ends of the floor. Um, he's been my, I, I would say, most pleasant surprise here in the early going. I don't see any of the motor uh, consistency issues. He was great last night in closing out that one. And I thought C.J. Gunn was big late off the bench as well. Uh, Indiana was struggling with some of their guys that you would label as their more consistent guys. Malik Renew and Trey Galloway being atop that list. Uh, you needed another guard to step up, and I thought the uh, Lawrence North product did that. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how did you do with Bardo and Jack Collinsworth? Did you, you know make what? it I'm through? I'm going to be fair. Okay, um, I thought Collinsworth was actually not too bad. I absolutely hate Jack Collinsworth <laughs> on Notre Dame broadcast. <laughs> I, I, I know you do. If I can start That's why there. I ask you. I thought Jack did a nice job I thought last he was. Night. I thought he was fine on basketball, now, much better than football. It, for those that want to spell the name, no K on Jack. Well, just, of course. You know, just want to FYI that out there. Uh, Bardo is Bardo, so I... I no need for me to expand on that. Uh, for me, Peacock was not that big of a deal. Now, the issue that I run into is, Andy, last night's a 9 o'clock tip. Well, Butler had some competitive moments with Buffalo in the second half last night. I I'd like to flip over and it be rather seamless. I'd like to watch UConn and North Carolina during a commercial break, and it takes me like a minute to flip over, and then it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, am I missing the Indiana-Michigan game? Well, I've always, I've always told buddies, you know, the best thing that you could create, and while the engineers are scurrying around here, maybe they could come up with this, if you just had one app that you could include everything, where you could easily go seamlessly between Peacock and, you know, Spectrum or YouTube TV or DirecTV or whatever you have, but you know what you call that? You call that cable, KB. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had right. that, but we shunned it away. Oh, Do you understand so that? We that had so that true. growing up. You had it, and no, I no. had it. I Hell, and now you got to flip around. I still got it, but now, right now, if I want to watch Indiana or Purdue, the rest of the season, y'all wanted to cut the cord, so now you got to go between apps. Yeah, thank you. That's what you have to do. Damn millennials out there creating. The, the this only thing that killed me about action. the Peacock app is, you know, this morning going back and, and watching parts of the game. Just you have to be able to fast forward ten seconds, but it would freeze enough to where I'm like, it's just quicker just to watch the feed instead yeah, of. And I did have a couple people ahead. reach out to me like, "Are you having buffering issues?" I, I didn't oh, have man. any of that. Again, I don't know how much of that is in-house internet related or not, but very balanced last night for Mike Woodson's bunch. And, you know, when they restart Big Ten play coming up around the new year, they are going to be 2-0. You know, I think Maryland and Michigan, it's fair to label both of them as NIT teams probably at best, really, this season. But still, um, I would say with how Indiana played those first few games, I did not think we'd be at this juncture and still talking about a one-loss team. Oh, I thought they that, were going to lose last night. With that one loss being no doubt. just to UConn. Now, we'll get into this probably a little bit more as the week moves along. For the resume, I do think Saturday is really important. Like they, that, That's Auburn, neutral floor in Atlanta. Not that Auburn is some great, great team. They just lost to Appalachian State. But I think it's important that that resume, non-conference-wise, says something other than you beat Louisville. Away from home. Yeah, well, that's not going to help you. you know, so. That's not going to help you at all. You didn't lose to Louisville. That's what you did. You didn't win the game. You just didn't lose the game. Uh, I have no idea. They were like in the 270s, I think, in the first net uh, was Louisville. You know, you look at McKenzie and Baco goes to the line late. KB knocks down a couple free throws, 14 points a game in his last three, playing more minutes, not being straight up benched in the second half, which he was in what, the first three games, uh, I believe. So that's out there. 
And uh, I tell you, I tell you the, only, the only guy that's killing me right now in Indiana is just Trey Galloway. I mean, he missed a couple free throws again. He hasn't made a three-pointer in four games, his last four games. He's 0-12, KB, in his last four games. But overall, you know, that was a game I thought Indiana would lose 78-75. But they won. That does mean something. Michigan, obviously, is not a good team. But beating mediocre teams, beating bad teams, and hell, just beating anyone on the road in the Big Ten, you'll take it. Definitely. Good win Definitely. last night for Indiana. Definitely. And, you know, certainly Indiana got some bounces late. Doug McDaniel missing a free throw to tie the game with, what was that, 40, 35 seconds to go. Um, you know, kind of. You mean 50, Dougie Fresh? Kind of a 50, As Bardo kept ball. saying over and over again, yeah, Dougie I was Fresh. underwhelmed. I know he's been, <laughs> he's had a really good start this season. And credit to Gabe Cups. I did think he made him work for some stuff on the offensive end. But I do want to go back to where because. With Galloway, Andy, I'm a little torn on it. Part of me is like, you expect more out of a fourth-year senior. I hear all about how great he played this summer. But then I'm also like, this is kind of on Mike Woodson for running into the season and saying, that's my two-guard. Right. And I'm not going to try and, you know, ante up at like all. Like, he is what he is. Him that, scoring yeah, 9, I mean, 10, 11 you know, points, I mean, that's about was, what he is. He was a, whatever, a three-star recruit. Like it, It's not like there were these grand expectations to be like, Indiana should have that guy as their two-guard here in year three of the Mike Woodson era. I, I don't necessarily label Galloway as that, but I thought Ware late. You know, he was he was really good early, but he made a variety of plays down the stretch, Andy, where Michigan doubled late in the shot clock on, on, on one trip. Ware made a great pass out to Galloway, who then drove and I think had that uh, and one, which he didn't convert the free throw, but that was a huge play. He had a big block. On the other end of the floor, I think it was the very next trip. And then, with the tie game and coming out of a timeout, there's Khalil Ware with kind of like a like a mini sky hook. It was a beautiful, you know, beautiful touch in the lane. Sweeping through yeah. the lane. It was like Magic Johnson. I know. I'm like, somewhere like, you know, Julius <laughs> Irving would be very happy about that, or Magic certainly. Uh, and then, obviously, Ware iced it, and you heard the Don Fisher clip leading into our show uh, when Michigan tried to inbound it there, the length of the the length of the floor. So, Khalil Ware, unquestionably very, very good here uh, early on in this season. So, next up for Indiana, it will be Auburn in Atlanta coming up this weekend. They can win that game. Uh, and then Purdue, of course, they go north of the border to take on Alabama. So, Alabama and Auburn taking on the Indiana Big Ten schools coming up this week. I'm surprised. I'm looking at the ESPN matchup predictor right now. Has uh, Auburn winning that 73% of the time? Yeah, they I just lost to Appalachian State, They just State, lost right? at App State, yeah, who now, I don't Bruce know Pearl anything does about. That. Bruce Pearl likes to schedule his team at a mid-major, which I kind of like. Is he the only coach that likes to do that? <laughs> I, I can't imagine there's Tom many. Tom Crean did that a few times and it backfired on him, did it not? At the mid-major? I, I guess maybe Crean did it one time at IPFW, now that I, now that I think about it, but... Uh, again, nice win for Indiana. Plenty to get to on today's show. Stephen Holder, as always, joins us on these Wednesdays here at 8 a.m. as we get set for Colts and Bengals. It's interesting. That line opened up at Colts favored by three, Andy. After what we saw with Cincinnati uh, on Monday Night Football, it's down to just one. So the Colts are still a slight favorite. Uh, when you look at potential returns, Grover Stewart and maybe Juju Brents, uh, Andy, this is the best wideout group you're going to face all season. And in particular, what is so great about Cincinnati's wideouts, they've got one of the best in the league, and then they've got the depth. You know, sometimes, like Jacksonville, for example, when healthy, I think Jacksonville's got depth. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kirk or Ridley are viewed as one of the best. Jamar Chase is one of the best. There's no debating that whatsoever. But then you saw it on Monday night. Late in the game, T. Higgins made a big play. Tyler Boyd made a big play in that game. So cornerback depth for the Colts. 
has not really been tested here as of late. It's going to be tested, even if it's just Jake Browning coming up on Sunday. Yeah, was the was the two points because everyone's looking and saying, oh my God, Jake Browning was good. I mean, is that is that what it was? It has it, to be, right? It has to be. Again, he was 32 of 37. I think the Colts had, or I think the, uh, the Bengals had more drop passes than he had true incompletions the other night. And uh, I don't know if you heard it moving in uh, when you're walking down here to the station. There's a lot of Doug Peterson scuttle that Trevor Lawrence could play this week. I don't see how that's going to uh, happen. This week? I just don't see how that's going to happen, especially you're going to put your quarterback out there if he's compromised against the Cleveland Browns defense. We shall see, but uh, but you're spot on. We move into the Colts. Speaking of the Colts, in that 7.30 segment, Jeff Saturday yesterday was on uh, with Pat McAfee and talked about his time as head coach. He talked about Shaq Leonard. Uh, he talked about the locker room when he took over. Saturday hasn't, if I'm not mistaken, Saturday hasn't talked too much, has he? No. About his time no. here uh, in Indy being the head coach for, what was it, eight games? Yeah, not with any length or substance and he definitely did that yesterday so that'll be stuff that we can get into we really haven't talked about the updated timeline for Jonathan Taylor either um you know that was kind of a news item on Sunday morning uh, that can get lost in the shuffle as well and you know something about exiting Sunday Andy the Colts got a dude fired <laughs> why are you making me laugh? I'm not supposed to laugh. I don't want to see anyone get fired. I was say, you just burst out well, laughing. I, mean, about I, th- a dude I feel like you fired. set me up to laugh at the guy. Yeah, what's his name? Is the it, the special teams coach for Mike Vrabel, the ex special teams coach for the Tennessee Titans. Craig, like Ackerman or Ackerman or something weird like that. Kylan, what is it? Something like She said yes. Did Craig she say Ackerman. Oh, yep. look at that. Say it again, Kylan. I think it's Craig Ackerman. Yeah. Gosh, over here, Kylan, diehard Titans fan, just rolling out the old Wait, are, Titans special are teams you, Are you a Titans fan? No. Oh, okay, <laughs> no. well, I didn't know that. No, we were on air whenever it, the news came gotcha. out. Gotcha. BK had it on the fan for uh, Aquarian Company, BK. so I'll give the credit to him. You know, when you get a dude fired, that means you've done something very well, <laughs> slash they've done something very bad. Yeah, that'll so fix shout it. out to Brian Mason and the special teams coordinator, obviously disastrous by Tennessee on Sunday. Colts will stick with that kind of that walkthrough approach. You know, two teams coming off the overtime games, both Indy, both Cincinnati. Obviously, Cincinnati, though, one day less of prep time as they will welcome the Colts down I-74 here coming up on Sunday. Uh, David just sent me this uh, email here. Uh, Andy, did you have any issues with the announcer's volume or sound quality? No, on Peacock? I, I didn't have I, any I, issues I did with. I didn't have any issues with any of this stuff. I just I like to fast forward through games. You know, the ten or fifteen second, the arrow where you can just hit the ten second arrow, and it's got to be fast. If it's not fast, I get frustrated. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna say you're all. You're a millennial. You need everything. Yeah, I do. I need to be able to hit the ten seconds, and it needs to be able to move forward a little quicker. It was fine. I got no problem with Peacock. It was fine. Chris I know. Goes, I know. I'm the only one, but it's fine. Chris says he's got two 55 inch TVs going there, so that's why he doesn't have to well, switch the channel. Well, Chris, I, what, what if you wanted to watch all three? What, what, what if you want to watch IU, Butler, and Carolina UConn last night? Well, you got to go third TV, or you got to go iPad. Come on, the Bowens. Let's let's ante up a or little bit. The Bowen household. <laughs> the, 
You know? How many married men have the dueling two TVs in yeah, the living room? There's not yeah. many because it's not. It doesn't look great in the living room. That's got to be a man cave it. type thing. Love it has to, to see be. the look on Maddie Bowen's face. You know, for Christmas this year, I was thinking, you know, another TV, another TV in the old family. <laughs> More sports. Uh, I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Kylan Talley, who's been in with us all week long, she is on the ones and twos here. For those on the YouTube. Uh, you will see a little bit of a different background. As Andy alluded to earlier, we are moving floors here inside of the building on Monument Circle. So we're down a couple floors here, and I think this will be our location moving forward here uh, as we do a little moving within the building. The Pacers have an opponent tomorrow night, 5 o'clock tip. That is still odd to me. It will be 5 Eastern tomorrow on ESPN. I saw it's a crossover. Reggie Miller is going to be on the ESPN telecast. Oh, nice. Tomorrow, I did and not I believe see that. Doc Rivers will slide into the TNT uh, broadcast crew. It'll be a TNT game for the 9 o'clock tip tomorrow night. So, again, Pacers, Bucks, a rematch of a great one we saw at Gamebridge Fieldhouse earlier this year. We'll touch on that. No Damian Lillard in that first matchup. He's expected to play tomorrow night. And then out west uh, in Vegas, uh, the western semifinal, if you will, It'll be the Lakers and the Pelicans. Good Wednesday morning to you. This is where I usually look outside and tell you what the weather is. I, I thought it was decent on the drive-in. So um, <laughs> It's yeah. 30 degrees. It's well, cold yeah. out. That's what it is. It is December I think here. it's dry, though. Andy, I think. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5 on a 7.5, the fan. All right, morning check down reminder. A couple different things here. Stephen Holder, ESPN, he'll join us. We'll talk some Colts with him. Jeremiah Johnson in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk some Pacer basketball with him as we get everything set. We'll get to IU here in a second, KB. How about this? Pacers, four-point underdogs to the Bucks. Again, that's going to be 5 o'clock local time coming up on Thursday as the in-season semifinals are set. Lakers favored by two against the Pelicans. Close game last night against the the Suns. Did you happen to see what happened at the end of that game? The Suns were not happy at the end of that game. They were down two or three. Questionable they, call, right? And they, they trapped the ball, okay? And Devin Booker knocks the ball away from Austin Reeves for a second, but the ball is pretty, you know, the ball is loose, and LeBron calls a timeout while the ball is loose, and they granted the Lakers a Star treatment. The, yeah, they granted the Lakers a timeout there. So if you're the NBA, you have to love it. A couple up-and-coming teams, with the Pelicans and with our Pacers, and then Bucks and Lakers, obviously, two of the teams you could see in the NBA Finals in a few months. Obviously, we'll get more into this in the next 24 hours, but again, this is a rematch of the Pacers and Bucks from last month. Indiana beat Milwaukee 126-124. Giannis had 54 in that one. Now, Damian Lillard did not play. Halliburton and Matherin outstanding in the fourth quarter. The Pacers were down 10 with five minutes to go. I kind of forget about that and came back and won that one. So uh, a lot to preview heading heading into tomorrow night. Again, 5 o'clock tip from Vegas. Uh, as Andy sw- as Andy said, easy for me to say, uh, the Hoosiers, they get a road Big Ten win, 78-75 last night in Ann Arbor. Very balanced. Some key bench minutes for Indiana, especially in the first half. C.J. Gunn, really big in the second half as well. And Cleo Ware continues his strong start to the season. Without Xavier Johnson, Andy, I think they've weathered this storm. And, you know, maybe we can get a debate. Are they better without Xavier? I don't think that's necessarily true, but they've certainly played better here as of late. Uh, and very important to start 2-0 in the Big Ten. That kind of goes without saying. Even if on paper you look at Maryland and Michigan and think they're probably going to be some bottom feeders. Yeah, I don't know what my opinion should be about them missing Xavier Johnson and winning some of these games. 
I, I think it limits your it ceiling. Is. Maybe it raises your floor a little, but I think ultimately, let me go back a couple years ago. Without Xavier Johnson, you probably maybe aren't on the bubble, but you certainly don't even get in the tournament without right. his run there late in the year. If you want to do, if you want to win a game in March, to me, you have to have him. Yeah, but they've shown, you know, they've shown they can win games without him a couple games here. And that was surprising again last night, 78-75. Now, the big play, one of the big plays of the game, Khalil Ware guarding the inbounds with, what, two seconds to go. Now, Indiana's up three here, 78-75. It's a baseline inbounds. They have to go the length of the floor, does Michigan. It would have been interesting if Indiana would have fouled there or a half-court shot for Michigan or whatever it may be. But Khalil Ware gets the steal, and here's the final call. They put Ware on the guy inbounding Cheddar. Here we go. Cheddar, baseball's... Oh, it's blocked! Taken away by Ware! Ball game! Indiana wins! 78-75 to over the Michigan Wolverines. Khalil Ware, the hero, at the end with a block of the inbound pass. And again, Andy, that was one of several plays Ware made on both ends of the floor in the final few minutes. He's a good player. Very, very big. On a night when Galloway and Renew were struggling, you really needed Ware to do that. The other college basketball local game, I shout out to Indiana State, get another win. They're now 8-1 in the year. Butler, they take care of Buffalo. One by 13, it was actually a five-point game there late. So Butler, important just to not have any... Stink on the resume. Well, you know what that I thought. That would have been some stink if they lost to you, Buffalo. You know what? You know what I thought. It would have been the Sweeney curse yet again. Thad Mata never well, coming I mean, on the show again. I mean, Thad Mata was on with us, and I, you know, we talked about it. But you know, I basically told him, "Hey, you know, the next two games, you're favored by a ton of points. <laughs> it's a five point game. I'm thinking, come on." Yeah, Buffalo with a one win on the air. I did see Joe Lenardi had Butler's one of his last teams. Did he in, really? Joey so, Brackets. Yeah, and they've done a nice job with their resume here in the non-con. All right, on the other side, as Andy said, Jeff Saturday, some interesting comments Colts-related yesterday, not only on the interim job that he had this time last year, but his thoughts on Shane Sykin. I think Colts fans will appreciate hearing some of that. So we'll get in a little Colts action coming up on the other side. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy, 93.5107.5, The Fam. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, appreciate you joining us here on this Wednesday. Stephen Holder going to be joining us at 8 o'clock. He's from ESPN. We'll talk some Colts football with him. Uh, Grover Stewart going to be back. Juju Brents. Uh, what is the latest on Juju Brents, do you think, KB? Yeah. Guess I'll I, look at you. Do you think he's going to play this week? This would be, what, six straight games he missed? Yeah, so right now you're at five straight games in six weeks because the bye week has been thrown in there. Um, I think there is some hope that he could return That's this week. a long week. injury. Uh, and again, Andy, I will stress short-term and long-term. You are missing his presence. And I just circle this one. You know, it's something I mentioned to lead off the show. This is the best wideout group you're going to face all season long. Uh, dynamic at the top, great depth. And we've seen some teams, when they've had depth at wide receiver, they've challenged this Colts secondary. So I do think that is a big one. And I think there's an aspect. I do want to get to this at some point today, Andy. There's an aspect to the Grover Stewart return that's not just rushing yards. The stat is, you know, speaks for itself. You've allowed at least 125 rushing yards in six straight. It's the longest streak in 17 years for the franchise. So that is great for Grover Stewart. But individually, his return, I think, can help out a key, key Colts player. We'll explain that here in a bit. 
there's no doubt Grover Stewart, w- when he's looking at a contract extension, will be able to point to some of the rushing stats that have been allowed here by the Colts over the last few weeks. Again, uh, so we'll talk some Colts. Stephen Holder going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us. We'll talk some Pacers with him. Pacers get ready for the Milwaukee Bucks, who put a shellacking on the Knicks last night. So that's all set up in the Eastern Conference. Pelicans and Lakers will be uh, will be the Western Conference game. So a nice semifinals for the in-season tournament the first time around for that tournament. All right, so let's dive into some Jeff Saturday stuff. Sound good with you? Yesterday, I, I mean, I'm looking on Twitter and everything else, and Saturday was on with Pat McAfee. Now, we have a few clips here. Not going to play, obviously. He was on for 20, 25 minutes, whatever it was. So we won't play all of that. But I did find some stuff uh, to be rather interesting here. Uh, and you guys would know. Listen, KB, you would know better than I, but, you know, he took over the Colts. He had eight games to go. And, you know, they talked. This is about a minute and a half clip, but they talked for four or five minutes, and McAfee did as well. Just some of the rumors out there on how bad the locker room was, right? Uh, you have a dysfunctional team that's not winning, and then you throw on top of it Frank Reich is fired. The coaching staff is ousted. You know, a bunch of new offensive coaches. And, I, I mean, you know, you're looking looking around and you know guys are not dialed in the way they needed to be so here's Jeff Saturday yesterday about a minute and a half talking about when he took over uh, what he kind of dealt with in his conversations with Jim Ursay. my conversation with Jim was we're gonna go 0 and 8 like just recognize we are no shot yeah no first of all you Damn. just you just got rid of all of your offensive staff right yeah. like like so just put that aside we're going to walk in this room parks fraser's calling place yeah, yeah. we he's have a 30 year old who hasn't had a room right like he's never like been in charge of a room yet and i love park great kid great guy and a good football guy but, yeah love him. but he had never he had never had his own room yet which means for those out there that he didn't he didn't you know he had never been like the quarterback's coach or the receiver's coach or whatever where you're sitting in front of a room every day so I knew we were going to have offensive challenges we had a quarterback they weren't sure of right so there was a lot going in my job when I went in was there were two things I knew I wanted to make sure the culture was going to get back to where it was when I was there and when you guys had seen it with productivity and the other thing was from the offensive line perspective like stop the nonsense stop the noise we need to get these guys back playing together they're going to have both Bumps, they're going to have bruises. It's not always going to be pretty, but we got to get deep. If, if the team wants to go anywhere, they put enough assets in those five. They got a ball. And to be fair, I, I do think the offensive line played a little bit better, especially late in the season. It, you know, I'm curious how much of that was just natural like growth from Bernard Ryman, and that would have happened with anyone. And then how much did Jeff Saturday's presence specifically impact that group? Um, you know, it's. Culture. I, I I feel like that's such a buzzword, Andy. You know, it, it's a question I asked Shane Second a couple years, a couple weeks ago, and I was an idiot. I I asked him it. I think it was the day after Frank Wright got fired, and so it was just poor timing on my part. First off, Shane Steichen's probably not going to say anything, anyways. But I am legitimately curious from a Steichen standpoint. How has he changed the culture? And what did he think of the culture when he walked in here? Because, Andy, it's not like the personnel's changed a whole lot. It's not like they've got five new captains. Well, that's why everyone picked them to win three, four, five, six games. 
right? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's yeah. one of the reasons yeah. mm-hmm. we sat here before the season and we were all wrong and we said they're going to win five games. You know, I was listening to Michael Pittman Jr. on with JMV yesterday, and you know he talked about how you know he got fined at the start of training camp, got fined twice actually, and he was couple, you know, and then he's like, oh man, you know, Shane is certainly implementing something here. So I do think there is a level of accountability that Shane has certainly brought to the table. I just every time I hear Saturday talk about the interim stint, did he was he dealt a very poor hand? Yes, you know, if you want to go the Euchre analogy, a lot of nines and tens in that hand. But he also never should have been a realistic head coaching candidate. And he thought he was, and he thought he should have been when they did the full head coaching search after the season. No, no. Shane Steichen and guys like that, Brian Callahan, who the Colts will see on, on Sunday, was a guy that I thought um, should have been on the list and was on the list. Amico Ryans was always my favorite kind of early on, even though obviously I knew that Houston was probably going to get his services based off his history there. Uh Saturday never had the resume to measure up to those other candidates. You know, I I wonder with Saturday, and and I don't know, you know, Steichen had to flip things, a a true 180. Don't you feel that way? And I think you've seen that by the number of games they won by guys who have had some bad years. You look at last year, some groups that have had some bad years, and they come back this year, and they're sitting here as we move into, I hate to say it, but like a week away from like mid-December. By the way, how are you with Christmas shopping? I know, uh, I know you I have the commercial. A, How are you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm nervous as all hell right yeah, now. I, I don't mean, mind saying I got nothing. It's December the sixth. Yeah, if I had Christmas shopping done <laughs> on December sixth, just arrest me now. Um, so they, it, it will, it will happen at some point. But I'm probably more I, likely to do Christmas shopping on December twenty sixth than I am you'll December sixth. Like I worked with, I worked with a guy who literally, he'd be like, "No, I'm just gonna go the the night before and see what the stores have left." And it's like, whatever the stores have left, that's what the family's going to get. Hand raised. Is that you? Been there before. Oh, Man, I, think there's, I, think there's show content. I think there's some show content. Maybe we get someone, you know, video wise, we, you know, they follow you around Target as the shelves are empty and you're trying to find something for the kids. Anyway, we back to, do you think Jeff Saturday, by the way, Rosie did find one of her presents in the oh, storage the other day. Yeah. Did and she? I was really hoping she would forget about it. And she brought it up last night. Well, do you think she's going to forget about a gift at Christmas time? I don't know. She's you think three kids... and a half. I, I, oh, this is what they care about. She's 48 got nothing hours else to have remember. gone by. She hadn't said anything. She asked me about it again, and I mean, I look like the biggest idiot in the world. Was it your fault? You left no, 100%. it exposed, if you will? Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, well, I, I didn't leave it exposed. I just walked into kind of like we have a little bit of a small like storage closet in the gotcha. back, and I just totally forgot it was in there. Oh, so you did this. You opened it up, and there's the president. She, yeah, she didn't go looking. Yeah, she yeah. didn't go Just hunting a, a them. Massive dad fan. Oh, my God. Okay, mm-hmm. so this was like one of her big presents yeah, or like a, mid, you know, like a mid-level present? In case you we know got any young children in the car. I, I don't know if I want to reveal too, too okay, much. understandable. But yeah, let's just say Kevin Bowen made a dad mistake. Uh, unforced error. Uh-huh. Well, well, you threw a pick. Uh, head down, coming upstairs, <laughs> letting, letting Maddie know. Well, let me ask you this. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed you, was what you, you said to me. Do you think – I like that. Do you think – Saturday at least helped start the turnaround, or do you think Steichen has had to do 100% of it? That would be my question to you. Those dudes needed to get the hell out of the building at the end of the year. All of them. (laughs) Help the turnaround. Did we watch the Minnesota second half? (laughs) Well, yeah. Did you watch the fourth quarter in Dallas? 39 straight points in the second half? I thought against your Giants was was honestly the the most embarrassing of it all. Uh, The snow angel? No, I, I think, you know... Those guys needed to get away for four months. And when they got back here in mid-April, I think all of them kind of had a look-in-the-mirror moment of, 
boys, that, that was embarrassing on our end, you know, too. And then, of course, the refresh, the getting away, Shane's going to come in here and right. he's going to have he a much staff. different. He's a much different communicator than Reich or Saturday. Sure. You know, oh, Saturday's yeah. got a little Kurt Signetti in him. Like Shane, I don't think <laughs> is that. Um, I think Shane is more of a, I'm smart. I'm a concise communicator. And you're going to listen to me for about 10 seconds and right. you're going to feel that. Right. It's not words. I, I'm not going to sit up here and speak for three or four minutes and, you know, whip out every synonym you you could imagine and think, boy, SAT word after SAT word. He's not that. But I think guys, and, and, and Shane, to be fair, the actions have backed it up. And, and I'll go back to something that happened on Sunday. Andy, I know I said this on Monday's show, but I think it's worth going back to. Colts had three big plays in that game. Three plays over 25 yards. The two balls to Pierce early in the game, obviously the overtime ball, and then the crazy hot potato flea flicker to Kylan Granson. All three of those play calls, Shane Steichen went to right after a Tennessee penalty. And, you know, I I asked him that on Monday. He didn't really want to get, I think, too, too much into if that is something he likes to do. But I don't think that is just happening. Oh, he likes to do it. Yeah, he doesn't want to tell you. And to me, Andy, it makes so much sense. You have a defense that is wilting. You have a defense. I mean, go watch a defensive penalty. What happens after a defensive penalty? Guys bitch at each other. Mm-hmm. Guys get substituted out of the game. Kayvon Wallace got subbed out after that unsportsmanlike penalty. Especially on third down. And he was a safety filling in for Kevin Byard. So what does Shane Second do? He takes a shot down the field at a third string safety right after that play. The play in overtime to Pierce. Sean Murphy bunting. Just commits an illegal contact against Michael Pittman on the very previous play. So what does Shane do? Murphy Bunting, where is he? Let's take a shot there. That is part of what he brings to the table that gives the Colts an advantage week in and week out. We're going to get to Saturday on Shane Steichen here in a second. I I think for me, and this could be a little bit of revisionist history because they've won some games and everything else. I think for me, I think Shane Steichen, KB, I think he's kind of a hard ass. You would, would you agree with that to a certain extent? Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is I, I think he's tough. I think there is accountability. But the thing that he's not is he's not a hard ass like some of the Belichick guys are. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, like, like I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of outing Bill Belichick here. But some of his disciples and some guys go to programs, and it's going to be their way or the highway, and it doesn't mix. Perhaps Josh McDaniels fits that mold a little bit. That's like these guys are demanding, but they don't connect. And Shane Steichen, I believe, is demanding, but he connects with the guys. It's a little bit more of like a quiet demand, a quieter accountability. That that doesn't always happen. And it's easy in football, I would imagine, in the NFL to go in. And, you know, when when a coach is fired... The, the team's not very good. So you know you're taking over dysfunction or lack of talent or lack of development, whatever it may be. It's easy to go in and be uh, a tough guy, negative reinforcement guy. Shane Steichen has found a way to have some of that to say, what you guys have done here 
is BS. You guys are paid a lot of money, you guys on the offensive line. The Colts have put premium picks. They have put money into this offensive line, and you guys can't do anything. But he has found a way for that to be the the, the message and the narrative, but also to have everyone under the same umbrella and moving in the in the same direction. I think Steichen used some of that um, some massaging, if you will, with the Jonathan Taylor stuff. There needed to be some tough love with Jonathan Taylor, but there also needed to be some massaging there so he could come back in and be a part of the team. And I think whether it's offensive line, uh, Jonathan Taylor, some of these uh, defensive guys, the way they've handled the quarterback position, uh, I think the standard has been raised, and it's and, and that's difficult to do. Now, Jeff Saturday uh, talked about Shane Steichen. Here's what he had to say yesterday with Pat McAfee. It, first of all, Steichen is a freaking stud. Dog. And yeah. got some brass cojones, bro. Like, this dude drops them out oh, there. Yeah. All the time. And, and continually makes, like, good calls. Like, I got a ton of respect for what this guy's doing. I will say this. I got a ton of fan, I mean, a ton of, of, of friends who still live in Indy, right? Everyone I get is about Minshew mania. I mean, these dudes are fanatic. They want the jorts. You know, they, 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 they want the cutoffs, bro. They want the whole, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. The, they, they, the whole deal, man. They have bought into this guy. And to your point, like, there's something electric that's going on with Indy. And you saw them, man. They're just putting one in front of another. They keep finding ways to win. The defense finds a way. Offense finds a way. Special teams blocking two punts. Not sure if I've met the same Minshew Mania crowd, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. Maybe I'm not interacting with the right people on that end. But, you know, obviously those first you comments wear about, the jorts? about Steichen speaks for itself. Uh, jorts to the Indy 500, that's probably the only time I've rocked jorts. Again, Colts and Bengals coming up on Sunday. If you look at, really, Andy, five games to go, and four of them carry massive playoff weight. If you look at the playoff standings, Right now, again, the Colts are sitting at seven and five. There's four AFC teams at seven and five. There are also three teams at six and six. So you've got seven teams for those theoretically it, for those final three wild card spots sitting right there. And Andy, you are going to play. The Colts are in seventh right now. They've got the final playoff spot. You're going to face the fifth team in the AFC in Pittsburgh a week from Saturday. You're obviously going to face Cincinnati coming up on Sunday. They right now are 10th in the playoff standings. You're going to face the Raiders. So you got to go a little bit further down. They're 5 and 7. You're going to face them with 2 weeks to go. Do the Raiders get on any sort of run and all of a sudden that game matters more? And then of course, you're going to have Houston at the end of the season. Uh you've already beaten Houston this season, so it feels different, though, don't you think? Certainly, Houston feels, feels different. different. Their offensive line was decimated for that week two matchup. Um, so you have got five to go, but no longer are you going to be facing teams that literally have little to no playoff hope. It, it this game means, you know, arguably it means more for the Colts' opponents upcoming. Um, but these just are massive, massive games here in the final five weeks of the season, and the one game you don't play against an AFC team. It's the Falcons, and right now, aren't they leading the NFC South? Yeah, the Falcons right now would host a playoff game. They're the four seed at 6-6. Six and six. So just monumental games here down the stretch uh, for the Colts. Let me ask you this. It's been the AFC 
the entire time. You would agree with that has been more interesting. What's going to happen in the AFC, the top of the AFC? What's going to happen at the, you know, at the bottom? Who gets in? Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Houston, the Colts. You know, Denver has come back. Buffalo has been, you know, Buffalo has a 12% chance, whatever it is, to make the postseason. Cincinnati was left for dead with Joe Burrow after they had a nice month. And now Jake Brownie goes out. They go on the road in Jacksonville and get that win in overtime. I, I don't know. I, I, I look at it. And there's, what, five teams right now, six and six, in the NFC. Two weeks ago, the NFC was over. KB, it was over. The NFC was done. It was Minnesota. Then Minnesota lost. And they Can had a bye week. Can you be done when Josh Dobbs is your quarterback, though? I mean, like, No, you can't be done. But look at Green Bay. Kids. I mean, like, anybody crowning, team. anybody crowning Minnesota like they were uh, guaranteed to make the playoffs without their starting quarterback was so premature. Agre- agreed. But the Rams at that point had, were, were, I mean, they were a three and six football team. They've won three straight. You know, the Packers have won, what, four straight? The Packers were left for dead. I guess my point is there's a bunch of teams here that, you know, in the NFC, the Vikings have given. The Seattle Seahawks went from a playoff team to the nine seed right now. And then the Rams and Packers were totally, I mean, the Packers especially were left for dead. Were they not? Ah, Jordan Love's not going to be the guy and everything else. And much like the Colts, if the playoffs started today, the Green Bay Packers would be the seven seed. I I don't know. I I thought the NFC would not be as interesting. It's got a little bit more interesting, but obviously the AFC is still where it's at. Does Jacksonville, do they get... Give. I mean, are they going to end up being the four seed when it looked like they could at some point be the two seed who gets in at the end? Someone's not getting in. C.J. Stroud's not getting in. The Colts aren't getting in. Or that Cleveland Browns defense ain't getting in. How about that 2020 quarterback class? You bring up Jordan Love playing much, much better here as of late. Uh, Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert. Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. It's not too bad. It's a pretty good five-man quarterback uh, class. It's, it's pretty good, but Jordan Love's not with those no, guys. No, no, no. Yeah. But, I mean, but we're just talking like about a draft class. That I mean, it's very rare that you see. I mean, go back to 2018 when it's Mayfield, Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. Those four go in the first ten picks. And then look at the five that I just mentioned there. Uh, again, a walkthrough for the Colts coming up later today. We'll see about Braden Smith. You know, he exited Sunday's game. Uh, with a knee injury, he has been banged up this season. I know some people have asked, you know, is there a, do you have a contract out with him? You do. I think it's a little premature for that sort of conversation, but you could be leaning on Blake Freeland again here in a bit. There's something Grover Stewart related I did want to mention, Andy. If you look at Grover, uh, obviously the rushing yard stat that we brought up speaks for itself. 125 rushing yards in at least six games that they have allowed without Grover. If you look at Zaire Franklin, Andy, in the last two games, Zaire Franklin has had one solo tackle and three solo tackles. Zaire Franklin just played 85 mm. snaps on Sunday and had one solo tackle. That is another element to Grover's return. You would hope that the rushing yards number obviously comes down, but also his presence should allow for a little bit freer of space, I would think, for Zaire Franklin. And now he's not absorbing that offensive lineman getting to the second level right. as quickly as he did. So if you look at Zaire, the two smallest tackle numbers of his season. It's not even close each either. Each of the last two weeks. I mean, this is a guy that had 
three double-digit solo tackle oh, games. Oh, sure. Yeah. Early I mean, tw- in the season with Grover. 12 against New England, 11 against Baltimore, 10 against Jacksonville in week one. Yeah, he's littered with 8, 9, 10, 10 yeah, the uh, tackles weeks, per game. Yeah, the last two weeks, very, very small numbers on that end. So I think that's an element to Grover's return as well. Do you see Zaire more in positions to make plays and just a little bit freer there against Joe Mixon, who did have a really nice game last week. All right, on the other side, Stephen Holder's going to join us. ESPN will dive more into the Colts and talk about a big one coming up on Sunday. This is the Wake Up Call of KB and Andy on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, Stephen Holder is going to join us from ESPN in a second. You know what? I'm going to have to mute this. Uh, I don't know. if I think it's because of Kevin Bowen. I think this is what's happening. Hopefully not Be- my mic. No, because, you know, your iPad and your iPhone and everything, they're listening to everything you say. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about a product, I'm seeing all this. What did Riley Leonard think of Notre Dame all over my feed now, lately? Why have we not talked about <laughs> Notre Dame beating Western Michigan last night? <laughs> we haven't. Uh, did they actually win the game? I saw well, they were, were up at one point. Were you saving that for well, you know, the, the meteor segment? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the morning check down. We should have mentioned that. I I do want to bring up Stephen Holder here in just a second. (laughs) Jeremiah Johnson at nine. Can you imagine? And Jeremiah Johnson, by the way, um, the guys from Bally, Denary, Buckner, and then they will not go to Vegas. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Nationally televised game. What if you were Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, and you got assigned to Sioux Falls? The Mad Ants played in Sioux Falls yesterday. All right. Go to, I have no idea if Mount Rushmore is even close to Sioux Falls. Go tour Mount Rushmore instead of the Strip in Vegas. Oh, man. I think it's a couple hours away. Our family did like a West Coast trip when I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 14, 15. Uh, we drove the million-dollar highway. And now, yeah, we drove. We did all of that. So, yeah, I feel bad for him. Now, Jairus Walker did have a big night last night. Did in the G, And it sounds like they will be now sent to Vegas for tomorrow okay, night. For but, them. yeah, Walker had 29 points on. 10 of 13 <laughs> shooting, and he made all five threes, which is certainly a good sign for him. All right, let's go to the Payless Liquors hotline. Stephen Holder joins us following the Colts for ESPN. ESPN.com joins us here, 8 o'clock hour every Wednesday. Stephen, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're fantastic. Moving through the week. The week's going pretty fast for me. I, I don't know why. Um, all right, before we get to the Bengals game, I mean, obviously, Jake Browning, uh, such a good game Monday night there in Jacksonville. We can talk about that. But I just want to go back, if you don't mind, to the wild game in Tennessee. I know it's a generic question, but what did you think? I mean, you had blocked punts. You had multiple blocked punts. You had the punter almost breaking his leg, it looked like. You, you got had, a dude fired. Yeah, you got a dude fired. You had shanked extra punts. Points, Gardner Minshew, an overtime game, uh, and everything else. How crazy was that game on Sunday? Uh, that is the most Colts game ever. That's what they do. Uh, they they don't do normal, right? So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I thought it was a, a great example of a, a team that that finds a way, you know, to to rise above all the, all the stuff that's happening in a game. And so in that particular game. You had all those twists and turns and all those peaks and valleys, and it can be hard to, to kind of manage your emotions and reactions through all of that. And, and they managed to do that, I, I thought, pretty well. And, and that's, that's the mark of a team that I think is, has the potential you know, to, to come out and, and make the playoffs because 
that's what you're going to have to face. You're going to have to be able to, you know, to, to find a way to, to win when the chips are down. And look at all these injuries around the league. Uh, they they don't ever seem phased by anything. And so that says something about the makeup of their team. He's Stephen Holder, and he's with ESPN.com. He's also with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen Gardner Minshew. Um, this has kind of been my overall thought on him, especially over the past month, month and a half. Uh, first off, I guess, incredible moxie in overtime. I think oftentimes with backup yes. quarterbacks, you see them struggle, and that starts the downfall. It, it, they just continue to wilt over the course of a game, and it's hard for them to recover, bounce back. Within a game, Minshew delivered in overtime. When they were down three, I, I think we kind of lose sight of that. They had to score right. on that possession. But this is kind of where I'm at with him. I don't think he's living up to his baseball card. Like I, For a backup mm-hmm. QB... That label is a bit unfair to Minshew. He's been, I think, a little better than that that stereotypical kind of negative label to backups, and I don't think he's there. Uh, too harsh? Agree? Disagree? What are your overall thoughts on Minshew as the Colts get in these final five games? So I struggle, you know, kind of analyzing him because it is so topsy-turvy with him. It, it, just look at that game on Sunday. Like, how do you assess how he played when – there are, are plays that he made in that game. They have zero chance of winning if he doesn't make those plays. And, I mean, they were, they were very aggressive plays in some instances, the, the, the play to the 55 yarders in Paris, for example. So, you know, I, I struggled to, to, on the other hand, say, well, yeah, man, some of the decision-making or just the unwillingness to, to maybe push it down the field in other games or the, the lack of pocket presence, like all those things, it's harder to get your – it's hard to, to ignore them, but then you also, as I said, have what you just laid out, you know, the moxie and the, and the, the playmaking. I would say this. I think what you're getting is Gardner Minshew. And this is Gardner Minshew. It, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's ups and downs. But the one thing I would say for him, and I'm, I'm coming around on this because I was very negative on him for much of the season, but I'm coming around. And what I would say is that there have now been several games where at critical moments, he made a play they had to have, absolutely had to have. And you can even include the Germany game there. Yeah, the, the Josh the Downs. Downs at the end. Yeah. Like, they don't win those games, or at least it's harder to win these games if he doesn't make a play at the end. Um, perhaps even the Baltimore game, you know, which is a game no one expected them to win. So I think you, you kind of have to live with it. And we all know this. But it's just being reinforced by what we're seeing from him. Uh, but I think it's okay when you when you, if you judge him by the backup metric, and I, I get why that's a complicated thing. But if you do judge him by that metric, then I think what you have is a, a very good backup quarterback who is exceeding the performances of most of these other backups that are playing, and there are tons of them right now. Do you think Steven, Steven Holder with us from ESPN? Do you think he'll be a priority to resign in the offseason? I think they have to think about it really hard. Yeah. I, I think maybe he should be because two things. Number one, we we still have to see Anthony Richardson stay on the field. And he hasn't proven that he can do that. And I'm not down on it on him and his his ability to stay healthy. I have no idea. That's that's the point. So until we know more about his durability, you have to prioritize the backup quarterback. I can tell you that it was a major priority this year, not even because they thought that maybe Richardson wouldn't be ready to start. I, I think they always hoped to play him immediately, but it was more about 
in Bell, or at least it was in part about the fact that they needed to have some security at their backup quarterback. They knew the style that Richardson was going to play, and they knew that he might be exposed to injury. It was a very calculated decision by Chris Ballard, and he told me that himself. Uh, last one just coming from the game and then we can move on the Bengals obviously look a little bit different after what we saw Monday night there in Jacksonville what's the right opinion to have Stephen I know I'm putting a lot of weight on you here about Alec Pierce what what do we do with him I mean his uh, really one of his best games definitely this season going over 100 yards big time catches had the touchdown like you mentioned aggressive Minshew put him on the money but you know there's a lot of games where he has no catch or just a few targets he's I don't want to say been much maligned I think I've just been trying to figure out exactly what is he uh is he better with Anthony Richardson when they'll be able to go deep you would imagine maybe more next year what's the right opinion to have as Pierce has been you know a guy with 20 catches but on Sunday he made three huge plays for this team I look at it I don't think you can have a guy who plays as many snaps as Alec Pierce, uh, he has played 94% of the snaps this year. I, I know all these numbers because th- that was that's going to be my next story coming out this week. So, <laughs> okay. so anyway, uh, the, good timing. So he's played 94% of the snaps this year. That is a tremendous number of snaps for you know for a non number one wide receiver, and yet has his his yards or excuse me his routes. No, sorry, his targets per route run. Okay, that means the percentage of time he gets the ball when he runs a route is 11 percent, which is like 150th in the NFL or something Mm. ridiculous like that. So what I'm saying is that can't be accidental. That is that is a combination of factors. It can't just be like, oh, well, that guy's not any good. It it has to be more than that. It has to be they aren't making a, a deliberate effort to get you the ball or the ball isn't coming your way because the quarterback isn't looking for you. It, it has to be more than just, oh, well, he sucks. That is not a viable explanation for those numbers when you look at it in context. So what I'm saying is I think Alex Pierce is doing his job just fine. Can he do better in some respects? Of course. But I don't think that is his biggest problem. I think he is a victim of circumstance to a large degree. And the circumstances, a couple of things. Number one, his role in the offense, which he talked about at length on Sunday, uh, he's asked to do some things that benefit other people in large part. You know, whether that's clearing things out underneath, you see what Michael Pittman's production has been. Uh, Whether it's blocking in many instances, he's doing a good job with that. I mean, look, he does a lot of dirty work that doesn't get rewarded. But on the other hand, when he does make a play, uh, he's he's up well over 15 yards per catch. That is top 15 in the NFL this year. So he's doing the job that's asked of him. And I think both he and the team could do more to to boost his production. I think in the last like six games, he's missed like eight snaps. Like the dude is on the field every single snap. And I thought Jim Bob Cooter was accurate yesterday, Stephen, when he said defenses do have to know where he's lined up because we saw it on Sunday. If you don't commit a safety over there, there is the opportunity for you to get burnt. And obviously a lot has to go into that play hitting, but the Colts hit on it a couple times against the Titans. Um, All right, Stephen, shifting gears. Again, Stephen Holder with us from ESPN. Uh, does Grover Stewart simply cure all in the run game with his return? 
Well, it ain't going to hurt because, I mean, Joe Mixon is running the ball, man. That was a really impressive performance the other night. I didn't see the whole game. but That was the best game of Mixon's season. Okay, that, I thought so. and Because I, I don't remember seeing him go off like that earlier this year uh, to date. So if he's going to be running like that down the stretch, and they're going to probably use him extensively now that uh, now that, that Joe Burrow is out for the season, I know that uh, their backup quarterback had an, an impressive game the other night. I get that. But that's not going to be the game plan you wouldn't think, right, to, to have him throw the ball all night long. They're going to lean on Mixon, and they should. He's very good. So anyway, the difference, we talked about this last week, but the difference between yards for carry with and without Grover Stewart, I mean, oh, my God. Like, that is just <laughs> it's, it's, it's really eye-opening. I think it went, what did we say? It was like going into last week, I haven't checked the updated numbers, but going into last week, they'd gone from 3.7 yards, allowing 3.7 yards per carry to allowing four point i believe six or seven yeah i think it's now Uh, at a full yard if you want to look at the six games i mean think about that you know for one player that is a huge number uh yeah i mean a full yard per carry over the course of what you know 35 or 40 rushes in a game i mean you're talking about a lot of yards you know so yeah i i agree and that's that's going to look. It may take him a, a week or two to kind of get it all back. You know, he's hasn't been in game shape, so that's what that would be my concern. But he is a presence, and there's no doubt about it. Is it a cure all? It, it definitely is a big boost. If not a cure all, it definitely is, is a needed boost. All right, last one from me, Stephen. AFC South right now: eight and four Jacksonville, seven and five Indy, seven and five Houston. It does sound like the Trevor Lawrence ankle injury maybe isn't as severe as it looked on Monday night. Jacksonville is three and one against Indy and Houston, so they've got the tiebreaker. If all three of those teams were tied, obviously they'd have the tiebreaker over Indy in a head-to-head. Uh, how open is the AFC South right now? Uh, somewhat, somewhat open. I mean, I think the Colts, they've put themselves in a little bit of a tougher position getting swept, you know, by Jacksonville. But but having a game left against Houston and, and having already beaten Houston definitely helps. And I, I still think the Trevor Lawrence injury is still notable. I mean, we can't assume that, that he's going to play the rest of the way. I mean, he, he very well could miss a game. And and even if he doesn't, is he going to be 100%? That's going to be a question. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, let the, let's let this thing play out. Uh, as I mentioned to the midday guys yesterday, I mean, we saw Joe Burrow play at less than 100% this year, and it wasn't pretty. And, and that's happened with other quarterbacks as well. I mean, there's been talk about Jalen Hurts and whether he's 100% and whether that's impacting his performance. So those things matter. They matter a lot. And and Jacksonville's not the same team, you know, without him, no doubt about it. So I don't think it's wide open. Jacksonville has done a lot of the hard work already, but it's definitely the door is definitely at least cracked, and it, it's up to the Colts to, to, to actually make something happen there. Look, they have – the one thing I would say is they do have a lot of control over their destiny, and most teams at this time of year, when you're in their position, you know, when you're kind of – at the back end of the playoff race, you don't have as much control over your your position, you know. But but they they do. They have again a, a team that that's in their division in Houston coming up in Week 18, and then they have some winnable games against backup quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's there. It's in their hands.
Uh, you know, before you guys brought up this conversation, I, I kind of jotted down to even ask you just as a gut feeling in Stephen Holder with us from ESPN. Do we think they make the playoffs? What's your gut tell you as you sit here going into week 14 or whatever it is? What's your gut tell you? I, I Here's my answer. I think that at this point, not making the playoffs is a disappointment. This ain't about, you know, oh, it's just gravy now. Oh, it's just, you know, let's just see what happens. No, I mean, they have raised the bar. You got to make the playoffs now. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm not saying we should, I'm not saying heads should roll if they don't make it. No, of course not. That's stupid. But what I'm saying is calcul- the calculus can change over the course of a season. You know, it can go one, it can go one way or the other. Last year, the expectations were very high and then they ended up being terrible. So the calculus changed, right? This year, it went the other way. We had no expectations, and it turns out they're very competitive, and now it's time to finish the job. So, you know, is that a prediction that they'll make it? No, but I I think that they should make it because, again, it's in their hands. They have a, a very manageable schedule, and I expect them to go compete and, and to go take their best shot to make it. And, and if they don't, I would see that as a, a little bit of a letdown at this point. Steven, I lied. Last, last one. Um, we saw the report Sunday morning. Jonathan Taylor, I believe Ian Rappaport said three to five weeks was kind of the timeline right. that he threw out there. I think originally Jim Irsay had dropped the word hope. Hope two to three weeks, which anytime you say hope, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I hope to play Augusta National with Tiger Woods tomorrow. Um, have you heard a little bit more in that three to five week range? Um, I, it hasn't been clarified anymore necessarily, but but I will tell you that, I mean, they hadn't ruled out injured reserve initially. I mean, they haven't put them on injured reserve, and, and that's not necessarily my point. My point is that injured reserve is four weeks, right? So that was still on the table initially. They ended up not doing it because I don't think they need to. The same thing with Juju Brents, right? It, it wasn't it wasn't a necessity because they don't need the roster spot. I'm just talking merely timeline. That, to me, suggested that that this was a three- to five-week kind of deal because you wouldn't even have that conversation if two weeks was a, was a realistic expectation, which, look, we all love Jim Mercer, but come on. <laughs> it was never going to be two weeks, right? So, yeah, I, I, I think you're talking about – I think three to five actually makes a lot of sense is what I'm saying. Stephen Holder, ESPN is latest, really good. Reggie Wayne and the development of that whiteout group in year two. Check that out on ESPN. Stephen, thanks as always for the time, and we'll see you up at the complex here in a bit. Okay, guys. See you soon. Stephen Holder, Payless Liquors Hotline. If you want to map out what that three to five weeks would look like, Andy, again, we are one week today. We are one week into the post-surgery rehab for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, two weeks would obviously be next Wednesday, so that would take him out of the Cincinnati game. Three weeks would then take him out of the Steelers game. Which I think we all thought, right, that he would miss three games. Wasn't that kind of the, the thing immediately yeah, yeah, that Jim you hoping two sure, to three weeks. Sure, so, I had him missing three games, missing Cincinnati, missing Pittsburgh. Which the unfortunate nature is, if you look at the rest of the schedule, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are like two and three on the list well, of no. most important. They're the ones you need to be the rest of the sure. way. Um, if it were to stretch to a fourth week, that would be the Falcons game he would miss. And then if it goes to a fifth week, that would include the Raiders game. Um, so that would mean if it stretches to the back end of that three to five week time frame, 
the only game we'll see him the rest of the season, regular season, Mm -hmm. would be the season finale against Houston, which is, to be fair, the biggest of the games the rest of the year. So if it's three weeks, he'd be back for Falcons, Raiders, Texans. Four weeks, Raiders, Texans. Five weeks, just Texas. Before we get to the check down, you mentioned it, wanting to play golf with Tiger Woods. Did you see the Tiger Woods news the last 24 hours or so? No, oh God. He might be leaving Nike. How about oh. that? Oh, settle down. He's fine. For a fine. second here, I thought there was another car accident. I thought there was that a woman that, that, I, mean that I had to Google. Well, there is a woman you're going to have to Google, I'm like, sure. Like I'm a sure. Perkins waitress yeah. or something along those hey, lines here. So, it's gosh, Tiger you had me rattled there for no, a second. No, he might be leaving Nike. How about that? Yeah, I'm disappointed to see. Well, it's like 30 I, I years Nike he's been golf with Golf apparel might be going away. Oh, is that it? Well, that would be the case. He's been with them like 30 years. Yeah, I would be... Um, yeah, you have to get rid of uh, all, no, all of your no, all of no. your stuff is going to be vintage. You could go to one of these vintage It'll stores never be and, vintage. and sell it for seventy, eighty dollars. All your shirts. It's always red on Sunday. <laughs> It'll never be vintage. It's always red on oh, Sunday. Max has a onesie that <laughs> does he really? Uh, it's a Tiger uh, Sunday red onesie that he honestly should have worn on Sunday when Tiger. Well, here's the here's return. the thing that I that I have learned that people weren't lying about having uh, you know small kids, babies, if you will. Uh-huh. They don't get to wear anything. Because they grow so damn fast. I know. I was gonna say, as <laughs> little clothes we can't wear. Is little Gas's Giants jersey already done? No, he's good to go. But my wife did actually get kind of emotional. There was like, you know, something with like a bear on it. You know, everything's got a bear on it. Uh, and she's like, he can't fit into this anymore. I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Bear, he's growing. truck, ball, dinosaur. I think ball, I covered dinosaur. every yep. Yep. Uh, little boy's child or uh, yeah <laughs> wardrobe t- throughout on. those young. Young years. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, by the way, going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock as we look ahead to the Pacers in that semifinal game in Vegas tomorrow. That is a 5 o'clock tip against the Milwaukee Bucks. Andy Sweeney, let's lead off the morning check down with what happened in Ann Arbor last night. Yeah, Indiana basketball on the road. Winner 78-75. They moved to 7-1 and on the season. 2-0 and already in the Big Ten. Of course, a win last night and over Maryland. Now, the big play, the end of the game. Indiana up three. Michigan has to go the full length of the court. Khalil Ware, though, with the steal guarding uh, the inbound, uh, the inbounds pass, if you will. Here's how it sounded. They put Ware on the guy inbounding Cheddar. Here we go. Cheddar, baseball's... Oh, it's blocked! Taken away by Ware! Ball game! Indiana wins! 78-75 to over the Michigan Wolverines. Khalil Ware, the hero, at the end with a block of the inbound pass. Now, that was a lot of fun. It was a great play. I, I thought Woodson going a little zone and then putting Khalil Ware on the ball there. Both good coachy moves. Post-game Woodson, it's a short clip on why Ware was guarding the inbounds pass. He's seven feet tall. Kenya said to stick his big butt on the ball, so we put him there. His big butt on the ball. Tone Loke there from <laughs> Ann Arbor. I use weather the storm. Without Xavier Johnson, they've weathered it. Um, 2-0 in the Big Ten. I don't think Maryland and Michigan will see their name pop up on Selection Sunday. But nonetheless, that is a very important start compared to where they were at in November. And Khalil Ware, I, I just continue to be impressed by the amount of skill. Both ends of the floor. I thought it was fitting that he capped it last night. He had a you know, really nice like throwback hook shot. Sky hook, if you will, to take the lead. He had a big block on the other end a little bit earlier than that. He had a great pass out of a double team in the turn, final few minutes. He had a turnaround fadeaway jumper yeah, in the first he, half. He's done a little bit of everything. There was a lot in the bag of Khalil Ware, the I bag, believe, as yes. the young kids 
would say. The other individual I think that's worth mentioning is C.J. Gunn. Coming off the bench, very important minutes for him, particularly in the second half, both ends of the floor for the LN product. On a night when Trey Galloway was struggling, on a night that Malik Renew, particularly early on, was struggling, you needed some others to step up the bench unit. He gave you quality minutes, uh, in particular, C.J. Gunn there. So next up for Indiana, a trip to the ATL. It will be Auburn. What is that, about a 90-minute drive for Auburn to Atlanta? Yeah, I guess. And Auburn's only 5-2. and two. Auburn's like, I view them like maybe even this Michigan game. It's like one of those swing games. Like, I don't know if Auburn's an NIT team or an NCAA tournament team, right? No, like, I, right now, I don't think they are. Yeah, they just lost to Appalachian State. Uh, but I do think it's important for Indiana to get something away from home on the resume. Louisville isn't enough for that. And I don't think Harvard at Gamebridge Fieldhouse is enough. So that'll be an important one on Saturday. Again, it's a busy Saturday slate uh, for the Big Ten teams here in the state uh, against the Alabama state teams. Uh, Auburn for the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers will take on the Crimson Tide of Alabama. That is up in Toronto, both of those Saturday afternoon games. The Pacers, they know their semifinal opponent. It will be the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks pull away from the Knicks late last night. So that will be 5 o'clock tomorrow. What would you say the early spread was? Uh, four, I believe. Hang on just a second. Uh, yeah, Pacers, uh, Bucks are favored by four. Lakers are favored by two over the Pelicans. And again, this is an ESPN telecast, but they are going to have a little bit of a crossover with TNT. So you'll get Mike Breen, Doris Burke, Reggie Miller and Lisa Salters on the call. At 9 o'clock tomorrow, it will be the Western semifinal of the in-season tournament. That is the Pelicans and the Lakers. So I think it's exactly what the NBA wanted. You got the Bucks, you got the Lakers, those stars and teams speak for themselves, but also a couple of you know up-and-coming teams in the Pacers and the Pelicans. Um, again, these two teams met earlier in the season. We'll dive a little bit deeper into what happened in that matchup as the Pacers did beat the Bucks early on, but this has been a big, big issue for Indiana in slowing down Giannis in recent years. Yeah, one more swoosh just to clean up a couple different things. I don't know if you care about such things. The Reds last night got the second pick in the 2024 oh, yeah. draft. Have a so parade they, for that so there one. You Come go. on now. They have pick number two. I think Washington got number one, and they had like a 2% chance to get the first overall pick. So anyway, whoever was ditching their season, you feel bad for them. So the Reds get the second pick. And then just two other things. You mentioned it. Titans fired their special teams coordinator after the debacle on Sunday against the Colts. Craig Ackerman had... Uh, has been fired there in Nashville. And then it's worth mentioning Zaire Franklin uh, for the Colts, Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination for him. So good for him. I yeah. think it's a good thing. He does a lot in his community. We should Beyond honor that. For what he does, obviously on the field, but also off of it as well. Speaking of on the field, Patriots Steelers tomorrow night. Andy Sweeney, Ooh. that over under. I haven't looked. 30, 30. I'm going to go 33 and a half. That's got to be too much. 30. 3 0. Patriots, Steelers, Colts fans, break out the Patriots. But gear. you got to go under there, don't you? You yeah, got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hundred percent. You go under. Where, and, and, where would they make the over under to well, where you would say I'll take the over because I TJ don't Watt, feel like it's two strip and a half. sacks, return for touchdowns. The only way the over hits. Colts need the Patriots in that one. And last, last. By the way, shout out to Indiana State, another local team from a college win last night. Butler as well as they defeated Buffalo. Uh, the Heisman finalists announced Jaden Daniels, LSU, Michael Penix Jr., Washington, Bo Nix, Oregon, Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State, 
of note. Those are some older college players, three transfer QBs, and it sounds like Jaden Daniels is like the overwhelming yeah. favorite. Yeah, he's going to win. Yeah, Daniels is going to win, and he's going to win. Why not Penix? I-, I would say, well, listen, I- I'm fine. I don't care who wins. I would say that Jaden Daniels winning, will he be a Heisman Will he be a Heisman Trophy winner that we have seen the least of? Yeah, seriously. Doesn't it, doesn't Especially it feel for an SEC team. Well, I mean, LSU never was one. I mean, I thought they'd be better. Listen, I, I thought Brian Kelly would have that team Yeah, Brian better. Kelly gets a Heisman Trophy winner and wins what, nine yeah. games? CBS has Daniels going four, has him going before Drake May in a mock draft that they put up. All those guys, first-rounders. I would probably go since Daniels is going to win it. Daniels won. Penix, two. Marvin Harrison, Jr., three. Bo Nix, Bo Nix, four. Bo Nix lost the two big games he needed to win this season. That's probably why I would put him at four. But, yeah, I mean, I think Penix finishing second, I mean, from being at Indiana, from not having, you know, people really want him, all the injuries for three years that he dealt with, to go to Washington and to have two fantastic seasons and to be there in New York is an absolute freak show of a story. It really is. Pacers and Bucks, 5 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, what happened in that first matchup, we will touch on that. And important one for Indiana last night in Ann Arbor. We'll continue to provide some thoughts on the first road win of the season for the Hoosiers. It is the wake-up call of KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, you heard the promo there. Colts on the road there in Cincinnati. 10 o'clock, uh, our coverage here on The Fan. You know, we had Matt Taylor on uh, last week, and he mentioned the vantage point there in Cincinnati. I've actually been in the radio booth a couple different times. It is a good vantage point. It's like 50-yard line, KB. It's really that is good. It, oh, I, know, yeah. I remember the media yeah. view isn't great there. You think more Colts fans go to the... Bengals game or the Titans game? Uh, let's see. Nashville's seen as a much... Uh, more to do city with Broadway sure. and everything else in Cincinnati. That would be my guess. Longer probably. trip, obviously. Yeah, it's a little bit of a longer trip for sure. So I guess I would choose Nashville. Uh, I would have picked Nashville, but that's a much more expensive trip than going to Cincinnati. So uh, we'll see. Either way, I think there's going to be a lot of Colts fans on the road for that one. I think there'll probably be a lot of Steeler fans probably in Lucas Oil in a couple weeks for that one as well. Uh, you mentioned Pacers and Bucks. That's coming up tomorrow again uh, our time that's coming up at five o'clock we'll have it right here on the fan bucks have a 60 percent chance per the matchup predictor on espn i think the thing that's the most different is you know dame lillard is going to be playing in this game you would imagine right i mean if if we if we go by how healthy the bucks have been in the bucks last night just all over the Knicks, 146 122 uh Giannis had 35 lillard had 28 beasley had 18 some pretty balanced scoring there Portis 13 and 5 off the bench uh it's exciting it was exciting the first time these teams played and now the Bucks want some revenge and for the Pacers it's another opportunity KB to say hey we're here we have a young superstar and we can beat some of the better teams in the NBA yeah you go back to that first matchup remember Milwaukee was coming off a back-to-back in that one, and Giannis had gotten ejected the night before in the third quarter. Yeah. And remember what we said? Oh no, this is going to be pissed off Giannis. Like and he should was. not have been ejected. Yeah, remember that? I mean, it oh, was BS, like yes, yeah, it, it was. It was absolutely awful. Uh, what did Giannis do? Fifty-four. 
I need to, I need to go back and look. If I'm remembering, didn't he only did he make a three in that game? I need to go back. He I was, feel like he did everything with twos. Yeah, I, I think you are correct. He was 19 of 25 from the floor, 16 of 18 from the foul line. Now he did have a big turnover number, but. 54 for him. Again, as you said, no Damian Lillard in that one. Chris Middleton did play. It was a wild game. You know, the Pacers jumped on Milwaukee really right out of the gate. Big first quarter lead. And then Indiana lost that lead. They're up 20 to 5 at one point. I think it was like 38 24 at the end of one. And then they had to come back from 10 down in the final five minutes of that game. And Halliburton, of course, was making a ton of plays late. But so was Benedict Matherin. Probably Matherin's best game of the season. Um, for Halliburton, this game obviously you know continues to mean a lot. It's the home state team. You know, the Oshkosh kid playing against the Bucks. And obviously, if you look at Pacers Bucks over the last few years, Indiana has really, really struggled. In this one. I mean, everyone obviously has issues against Giannis. The Pacers would be near the top of that list. So is that Obi Toppin on him and Miles Turner's on Brooke Lopez? And that's how you start off and you well, see I what happens. You, I think you have to, don't you? As the game kind of moves along. Yeah. I would think that's what you do. Well, Lopez um, and Turner, they deserve each other. If you talked about a matchup, <laughs> those two guys plodding up and down the floor, they deserve each other, do they not? Yeah. Oh, I mean, Obi Toppin's athleticism, you have to think yeah, that's how nine. it starts. Uh, yeah. And then I would assume Bruce Brown gets the uh, Lillard assignment with that one. But again, 5 o'clock tomorrow night, um, for those unfamiliar, just maybe needing a reminder on the in-season tournament, if the Pacers lose tomorrow night, Andy, they're done with the in-season tournament. There's no third-place game. This game tomorrow counts for the standing. So no matter what happens tomorrow, it's one of your 82. If the Pacers lose, they don't play again until Monday against Detroit, and then they're into their regular season schedule the rest of the way. If they win, then they'll face the winner of Lakers-Pelicans Saturday night. That is an 8.30 tip in Vegas. That is the one extra game this season. So that game, whoever advances out of the semifinals tomorrow gets the finals. That game will not count to the 82-game records for all of these teams. Uh, From a financial standpoint, as we said, I guess, on yesterday's show, that was a $50,000 win for the Pacers. (laughs) It's all going to the blackjack table, On Monday night, Buddy Heels put it all in black, I believe, last night. Uh, $100,000 to the semifinalists. So if you lose tomorrow... You get a hundred thousand. If you win tomorrow but lose in the championship, two hundred thousand. And if you win it all, five hundred thousand for every player on your team. You ever had a buddy, and this goes for everybody. Kai, maybe you did as well. You ever had a buddy who's you know did like red eighteen and has actually hit that on the on the roulette wheel? Like because you know McAfee told the story and paid Manning. Yeah, uh-huh. What did he Down say? French flick, was right? it was it eighteen? Manning's I believe it number. Was, yeah. Hey, put uh-huh. you know black eighteen, red eighteen, and go make a bunch of money. But like I've had one buddy actually do something like that. It was like twenty three. I forget which number it was, but he actually hit the number, and it was a substantial amount because he was so far down. He just took his last fifty dollars and he just put it down and said, "This is the way we're gonna leave. I'm either gonna be a big winner or." Uh, 
a tragic loser and he was a big winner, but that's something like I feel like in my life I never could accomplish. No, there's no chance in hell. No chance no, that I would uh-huh. ever make that. Yeah, I just sit then down at the table happen. and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm back at the ATM. <laughs> that's not good. Those like I, 895, the fee I know. at the I'm ATM. like, I've been here for two minutes. Uh, why in the world are we tipping this game off at five o'clock? Well, no, let me ask you why. It's not I, like I, it's I don't a, get it. It's not. It's not Thanksgiving weekend when you can put games at any time, and it's not Christmas week where people are off work. When this is the is last like a time work week the NBA week. has tipped off a weeknight NBA game at 5 o'clock? I, listen, it's it's 2 o'clock there. And I understand Vegas never sleeps and 2 o'clock doesn't mean anything when you're in the Sin City, but How about at it least, is odd. Okay, if you want to clear the arena out, which I, I, I guess that's part of it. I And I'm going to ask Jeremiah Johnson when he joins us here at 9. I'm curious, like, how do tickets get distributed for this? I'm very interested, like, what is the environment going to be like? In the arena, you know, the NBA does not have neutral court games no. very often. I mean, the only neutral court games are pretty much overseas. So um, I thought, you know, I guess if you would have asked me before I saw the tip times, hey, what time do you think the semifinal games would be? I just assume like six and nine or six and eight thirty. Right. And you can still do ESPN for one and TNT for the other and just sell the ticket packages together. Yeah, I guess. Don't I would... you think on a neutral floor you'd be more enticed to sell the ticket packages together than solo games? Yeah, I guess I would just be worried uh, is it going to be a good crowd there, right? I mean, you don't you want a you want a very good atmosphere. I mean, it's not like a bunch of people. Again, this is a work week for most people. So it's not like there's going to be thousands of Pacer fans who are going to be flying to Vegas. I wish that were the case. You know, Eddie Garrison, Texas, my guess is they don't want to go up against Thursday night football. Well, then, again, tip at six. That game is over by the time Thursday night football starts. And no matter what happens with your second game, you're going up against Thursday night football. Right. Whether you tip it at 839, whenever. The only, the only positive is it is an Amazon game, and it is a game that's going to feature about 12 points total. Eddie Garrison. What's he up to right now? He was all over that one. He is all over. He's Mr. Pacer you around here. Not? Eddie Garrison, Eddie Gill, and Mark Boyle, the radio broadcast. The Pacers actually went out to Vegas yesterday. So they, you know, oftentimes with your road trips, you go out, you know, today and you get whatever, a late, you know, shoot around in and then obviously play the game tomorrow. The Pacers were out there yesterday. I don't know if the extra day of rest prep acclimated to Vegas. I guess you could look at that one or two ways. That could go really bad or or really good. I see the blackjack table. <laughs> Play that again, yeah, Tyler. That ahead. was such a, gl- yeah, a great clip from Mark Boyle the other night. I see the blackjack table. I see the roulette wheel. And I see Eddie Gill, the slot machines. <laughs> I had a buddy who would do hundred dollar pulls on the slot machine. Oh my god, is he alive? Can, can you he listen, he would hit some of those. Dear Lord. But I don't know. I haven't talked How's to him heart? in a while, so I don't know exactly How's his what heart? kind of How's finan- his hair? I don't know what kind of financial shape that he's in. One more on the Pacers. We haven't talked about Benedict Matherin coming off the bench and that entire um, not fiasco, but that entire narrative has kind of went away. And Buddy Heald, you know, last game was good, right? I mean, we talked about how the previous four or five games before the last game, uh, he wasn't so good. And I, I don't know. I mean, now if you go look at the stats, I mean, Buddy Heald now, uh, because of the last couple games, is playing more minutes, averaging more points than Benedict Matherin. And that just kind of went away. I'm not saying that we should even bring it up, but I do bring it up because I have noticed in the last week and a half we haven't talked about it whatsoever. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn Buckner made it 
interesting comment last night, or I guess two nights ago now, in the third quarter when Matherin was was I think he had a couple buckets in a row, and, and you know Quinn said something to the effect of like you know Matherin's built for this, and you know that might be and again this coming from someone that has wanted to build a Benedict Matherin statue, so hyperbole maybe a little bit there, but I do think when you get into those games, Andy, and by those games I mean the playoff type atmospheres, and obviously we you know hope plan I don't know how how you want to describe it to see the Pacers in more of those. I do think Matherin is kind of wired for that. He's a bucket getter. And oftentimes in the playoffs, Andy, those beautiful sets you've run all season, those aren't as effective. They scout the hell out of you. And you know teams. And hell, you're probably going to see it tomorrow night from the team in your own division. They're going to blitz Tyrese Halliburton like no Mm -hmm. other and get the ball out of his hands. And so I'm curious, Matherin, in these sorts of settings – there's some bad that comes with him. I mean, he is a volatile spark plug, to say the least. Does he become more of a factor? Because, again, when things stall out, you kind of just want to say, hey, man, here you go. Yeah, and, go get yours, and, right. And go throw your body against somebody and see if you can finish for us. So um, I, I, I do think that'll be something to keep an eye on tomorrow night. Uh, one last note that I want to get to on Indiana. Again, bench unit last night, C.J. Gunn. Andy, I thought was really, really key. With Trey Galloway struggling, um, that is vital, I think, for Indiana right now. Um, Xavier Johnson, better without him, or is that too short-sighted of a thought? Well, let me ask you this. I think it's, I think it's too short-sighted. I, I think what it is 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 I, I feel like the ball moves a little bit crisper when Xavier Johnson maybe isn't there. Yeah, Gabe Cups is not looking yeah, to score. But with that being said, okay, which is also weird how Gabe Cups is playing like 30 minutes a game and having two points. I find that to be very odd. You know, can he get open for some threes? Is there a way to utilize him in the offense? I don't know. I guess, I guess for me, there'd be two things. Number one, Xavier Johnson is still his talent of being able to go get his own. You mentioned Matherin. There is a little bit of that with Xavier Johnson. So there is value there. He'll be back in the starting lineup, I would imagine, whenever he's healthy enough to do so. The question would be, and I don't know what Xavier would think about this, although I I feel like I would know, if they win some of these games, can you ever explore bringing him off the bench? In other Uh, words, he could... uh, Well, see, listen, I'm just throwing it out there. If you believe that that they move the ball better and that they're fine if Xavier Johnson is not in the lineup, then you bring him off the bench. I just don't think that's the case. I think the narrative will be that when Xavier Johnson's back that he's going to be playing. Uh, To me, the minute distribution will be interesting. He's had some foul trouble uh, this season, but no, I I, I think when he comes back, he's going to be ready to go. You almost feel bad for him, though. I mean, he comes back for this season. He's already missed a couple games, and I mean, does anyone have any timetable on him? I'm like, no one has any timetable. Is it next game? Is it a week from now is it two weeks from now you know, Kansas is coming up and that's who he got hurt against yeah. last year what was at Kansas so it'll be Auburn in Atlanta for the Hoosiers coming up on Saturday important I think to get something away from home non-conference on the resume um, and then at Can- or excuse me home to Kansas coming up on what is going to be a crazy Saturday in the state of Indiana next week from a sporting standpoint all right another side a little bit more Colts conversation as they get back to work today Colts and Bengals in a big one here in week 14. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, I know what Kylan's doing here. 
We talked about this yesterday. Walk this up is, time, right? This is KB's uh, pump up, walk up song, whatever Sounds you want to call than it. Doyle's Barry Manilow <laughs> or whatever he wanted. We're getting hyped for Jeremiah Johnson in the nine o'clock. We are getting hyped. I don't oh, know. Pacers man. Pistons is an Eminem. Marshall Mathers from the Detroit area. <laughs> remember he was in. Uh, do, you, do you remember when he was at the Michigan Notre Dame game in studio with? I think oh, like, it was Musburger in the booth with Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet. It was very awkward. Yeah, it was Fowler there, whoever it was, and he was just looking. He was just dazed off into the distance. I forgot what teams uh, were, were I think there. It was in Michigan. Uh, by the way, big news coming down in the last hour. Uh, I present this to Kevin Bowen before we nerd out on some cold stuff here in the final segment of the 8 o'clock hour. Time Magazine has their 2023 person of the year. Do you know who it is? I I saw this and thought I was reading an article from The Onion. (laughs) It's Taylor Swift. All right, we can move along. What are we doing? When I first saw it. What are we doing? The SI Sportsman of the Year was Deion Sanders, who won four games. Taylor Swift, 2023 Person of the Year. We we live in dumb times, KB, and I love every bit of it. Uh, you said to me, I want to nerd out, or I can nerd out, over some Colts playoff percentages. Yeah, uh-huh. Give them to you me. You ready? Yes, All of right. course I'm ready. Let's go. Four teams right now at 7-5 and five in the AFC. The Colts have the seventh and final playoff spot. You've got three at 6-6. Six and six. Playoff predictor, 65% chance at making the postseason, the Colts. Um, How much does Sunday matter? Based off of obviously knowing no other results, if you just look at Sunday's game, you beat Cincinnati, your playoff odds rise to 80%. Do they really? If you Now again, that doesn't include other results. If you lose, that drops to 49%. So that's a 31% change with a win or a loss. And if you look at the rest of the way, the one game that stands really above the rest will be Pittsburgh a week from Saturday. Right. You look at it right now, again, I said 31%, the difference in win-loss playoff percentage for this Sunday. The Pittsburgh game, 41%. So that one jumps even more. Right now, Pittsburgh, of course, 7-5. and five. You are 7-5. and five. As well, and again, it looks like Mitchell Trubisky certainly tomorrow night, and we'll see about his availability, or I should, I should say, Kenny Pickett's availability. Then moving forward, I, I know we'll have time to do this on Thursday and Friday, but I, I guess I felt I felt rather confident a week ago when the Bengals didn't have T. Higgins. And listen, I know T. Higgins didn't have a big game the other night, but he's still a really good player, right? At any point, he could still go out there and have five or six catches, have a couple touchdowns and everything else. But, you know, they get T. Higgins back, and then Jake Browning does what he did. And then also on top of it, you know, the Bengals looked competent on offense running the football. We talked with Stephen Holder about Joe Mixon, and I'm totally blanking on the other running back who had a nice hey, game. Chase Brown from yeah, Illinois. Yeah, uh-huh. who had a nice game as well on Mixon Monday night. most scrimmage yards of the season. Yeah, like Monday. I would imagine the Colts aren't going to make the mistake of saying, hey, we're just going to believe in our one-on-one coverage with Jamar Chase, like, a, you know, the 72-yarder. He, and, and they might. I might be wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but I would hope that would not be the case. The Jags did it. And it helped lose them the game, but you know, like you know, some the wide receivers to a certain extent are going to get theirs. I, I don't know. I'm, this game to me was 
I was pretty high on the Colts winning this game because I thought the Bengals kind of left for dead when Joe Burrow went down, even though they have a litany of weapons. And now I'm much less confident as I sit here on this Wednesday that the Colts go win this game. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, Jake Browning's not going to be 32 of 37 for 354. And what was it? A couple touchdowns. He's not going to do that again. Yeah, I, I they can't allow the that. Stat X named Monday, he was one of 10 guys ever to do that in the history of the NFL. I mean, think about I, I, that. I just can't believe it. Uh, I remember about a month ago, Andy, when the Colts, I think maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was around their bye week. But I, basically, I looked at Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and thought, those two games are going to change the course of the season. One way or the other, they will decide things. And why I circled those two opponents is, you know, yeah, at the time, Burrow was probably playing. But what Cincinnati and Pittsburgh have, they have individual game changers. I don't think anyone else on the schedule necessarily has that. Maybe Max Crosby's that for the Raiders. Well, but Tank Dell out for, yeah, for the Texans changes may, them, maybe, sure. Maybe Devontae Adams a little bit. But whether it's Jamar Chase, and I think Mixon is a great runner. Like, if you get him in space, I mean, he is big. He can run. I mean, that is a talented dude. If you don't corral him, he can make plays. But in particular, Jamar Chase. And then on the flip side, next Saturday, T.J. Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick. Again, they've done it to the Colts before. They can single-handedly change a game. I think that's why the worry level should be there, much more so than it was in recent weeks. By the way, tomorrow night, Patriots beat the Steelers. Your playoff odds can increase by 5%. So Colts fans, I know that goes against your Ten Commandments, but if you want your playoff odds to to increase... You cheer for no, you, New you throw England. the commandments away when you're talking about it's business. That's what they always yeah. say. Cut off it's the hooded, biz- cut off the hooded yeah. sweatshirt. It's a business decision. Settle in on the couch and put it on. Speaking of on the couch tomorrow, we'll be doing that. Pacers Bucks. Jeremiah Johnson next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Appreciate you joining us. 9 o'clock hour, drivehuber.com studios. Wake up call. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney hanging out with you. Another hour to go. If you miss any of the program, talking Indiana basketball, obviously we'll get to Pacers with Jeremiah Johnson here in just a second. Colts get ready for a big one on Saturday, so we cannot wait for that. You miss any of any of our shows, check it out on the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeremiah Johnson joins us here uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Jeremiah, good morning. How are you today, sir? Good morning. I guess I should say long-time listener, first-time caller to the uh, KB and Andy show. (laughs) I I am totally spaced on that. JJ, I apologize. JJ texted me yesterday and was like, did I miss the call? Oh, boy. I texted Jeremiah during the Monday postgame. I mean, what a stupid mistake by me. Like, the dude's not busy. Like, he's working. He's he's on, yeah, he's on live television. I literally texted him right (laughs) right after Buddy Heald made the roulette comment. I'm like, that was a great line. I'd love to have JJ on. And then I figured they weren't traveling to Vegas. So, Jeremiah, apologies for not, A, having you on earlier. You are a busy man this time of year. It's Kevin's fault. It's not my fault. for the text while you were working. Yeah, hey, I blame the new guy. I thought, you know, Andy might yeah. like me, you know, but uh, that's all right. Your text uh, to be on the show during the postgame show is better than what I used to get. I had a friend that would always text when Miles Turner would have a bad game complaining, and it'd be right when I would start the postgame show. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, 
We're going to lead off of that from the uh, law. So that's good. Well, yeah. don't, don't worry in radio, uh, whether you're on in the morning or afternoon, I've had buddies. Hey, what are you doing? I used to do afternoons. Hey, what are you doing? It's 425. What do you think I'm doing? I'm on the radio right now. What do you <laughs> exactly. think I'm doing? Now, you know, you text at 930. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you know uh, what I'm doing. I guess let's start here. How was that atmosphere? I mean, man, following a team uh, and seeing kind of the organic reaction with the win the other night. How did that feel in the arena as you guys are obviously uh, doing the broadcast and Halliburton with the huge game and the team moves now to Vegas. Yeah, it was incredible. A little bit of a collegiate atmosphere. You know, I go back to that IU-Kentucky game that I happened to be at when Christian Watford hit the shot. And those are the moments you live for that you have a job like this that you want to experience. And uh, it reminded me a little bit from a Pacers game of, uh, I said this to JMV yesterday, maybe game three of the 2018 playoffs when Boyan Bogdanovich was, you know, setting up about three feet behind the three-point arc. And then you go back to some of the the T-shirts in the stands games of the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, in listening to a lot of national radio and podcasts yesterday, there were two main topics that people were sharing. They They were talking, deservedly so, about Tyrese Halliburton, A. And then a close second was the crowd. So I think it's a good time to tip your cap to the Pacers fans because they made that atmosphere and they were one of the fans in Indiana, we're one of the biggest stories of the knockout round. And so you showed out, you were loud, you were supportive. Rick Carlisle, I think he got, got on your show and asked for the fans to be there and to be supportive. And they were a difference maker in that game. Yeah, the combination. Obviously, the team you know earned the quarterfinal home game. And boy, the fan base certainly delivered. And you could tell they were thirsty for that, that environment. Jeremiah Johnson from Bally, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. JJ, I guess I got a couple of logistical questions more so about Vegas. Um, do you have any idea how like tickets are going to work for tomorrow night? The, the, the 5 o'clock and 9 o'clock tips are kind of odd to me how spaced out they are. Yeah, it's a great question. I did get an email from the NBA that happened to just be on one of their NBA experiences mailing lists, and they've got a pa- you know, two-game, three-game package where you get uh, you know, all three of the games in Vegas and some experiences and that kind of thing. But I've not seen a lot of individual ticket um, information. And so uh, that's the big question. You had such a great atmosphere for the knockout round games on the home courts. Will that translate to Las Vegas? What kind of a crowd will you get in the arena? I trust that the NBA is used to putting on events like this and they'll make that atmosphere look really good no matter what. And they've had big crowds for summer league games. So I think they're going to figure out a way to have a big crowd for this in-season tournament, semifinal and finals matchups. A little unusual that it's in the afternoon, but they operate by different clocks. Actually, they operate without clocks in Las Vegas. So I'm not sure that it, I'm not sure that it really matters that it's 2 o'clock out there. Logistically, I think it is a benefit to the Pacers that they played Monday – they left Tuesday morning. They had an extra day to get acclimated. Milwaukee's going to get into town. They're going to want to experience a little bit of Vegas tonight, and then they've got that early tip on Thursday. So maybe a little bit of a scheduling advantage for the Pacers, but I don't know a lot about the ticket situation. We talked a couple segments ago about how wild that first matchup was between these two teams. Of course, Damian Lillard did not play. Giannis was Giannis to the nth degree. Halliburton and Matherin, both terrific. I thought, you know, in in a way, J.J., it kind of reminded me of Monday in that Boston punched just like Milwaukee punched you in taking that big fourth quarter lead. And then the Pacers, just like they did Monday night, 
they punched back in closing that out. Uh, what are your memories from this uh, first matchup about a month ago between these two teams? That's a good point in that some of the Pacers' big wins this season, they've not been just because the team they played had an off night. Think about you know the second night in Miami, Jimmy Butler had 33 points, and uh, the, the win against Milwaukee, Giannis had a parade to the free throw line, and he actually made almost all of those free throws. That's probably my biggest image is just seeing the game slow down to the point where he continued to go to the free throw line. He shot that free throw with about 11 seconds instead of 10 when you're allowed – to have the ball and he kept shooting it on the front of the rim and bouncing in and I said at some point we got to tighten these rims up a little bit because he's normally a 60 uh, whatever percent shooter not 80 or 90 so um, he he played about as well as he could have played he puts up 50 and you still beat them that's what that that shows you're a legitimate team and you know the same thing on Monday night against Boston you had Brown and Tatum each go for 30. That's only the second time in, in their career when they've each had at least 30 points that they've lost a the game. So the Pacers are okay to take a team's best shot. Without Damian Lillard, it may be a little bit of an asterisk there to that win, and, and we'll see what happens if he's on the court. But you know one thing, when he's on the court, they're going to be better offensively. They're not going to be better defensively, and so maybe that lends to uh, even more points, and, and the Pacers are used to getting in shootouts. So I don't even have a problem there if it becomes a little bit more of an offensive-minded game. Talking some Pacers, Jeremiah Johnson here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jeremiah, are you sad at least a little bit you're not going to be in Vegas? Be honest. Or are you like, hey, I'm good being home? I think oh, Mrs. Absolutely. Johnson's happy that you're home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the boys are happy. My wife probably depends on the hour of the day whether she's happy that I'm home. But I, I, Fair yeah. enough. She's not listening now either, so I can say it. Yeah, I wish I was there. I mean, this again, like I said, Monday was one, you know, one of the reasons you, you have that job and, and have this opportunity to be a part of experiences like this. I'm all for you know, making history, and this is the first in-season tournament semifinal, and the, and the Pacers are there. So I'm a little disappointed, but I'll see, I'll see 81 I'll see 81 games yeah. this year, so I think I'll be okay. But uh, I'm a little also disappointed. You know, I wish it was not the 5 o'clock game. Uh, I've got a freshman basketball game that since I'm home I'm going to watch. So I'll be I'll be sitting in the stand somewhere uh, watching my phone and then also watching uh, the the action in front of me. But uh, you know I think anyone that's going to be there and be a part of it they're making history. And so uh, for those that are a part of the team, those that are able to get out there, and and if you can't make sure you figure out a way. This is a good chance just to remind everyone because. You might think the normal time you get home, you have dinner, you turn on the game. It might be over at that point. So figure out a way to uh, set the DVR, do whatever you can. Uh, because I, I will give a shout-out to the broadcast partners that this is kind of unique that they're going to put um, ESPN and TNT broadcasters together. And it they're going to have a little Reggie Miller on the yeah. uh, ESPN ABC broadcast. Tyrese Halliburton mentioned this after the game, and it's something even I've talked about maybe a couple weeks ago as he has ascended and he had such a great month in November, and we see uh, he started out December pretty damn good with what he did the other night. But Halliburton's like, you know, I'm 23 years old. I have the contract, and, you know, people are starting to pay attention to me as, you know, one of the best players in the league. I'm paraphrasing basically what he said. What do we think it's like being Tyrese Halliburton who has – the big time deal who's uh, the organization sees him and wants him to be the face of the franchise you have a coach who believes in in him and a coach who is running an offensive system that is good for him life has to be awesome right now for Tyrese Halliburton 
Yeah, I appreciated him saying that because everyone looks up to right now and idolizes what he's doing on the basketball court. But you want him to feel the same way about his situation than, than you feel watching him. And so for him to acknowledge that, for him to not be uh, upset about anything seemingly, the only thing he gets upset about is losses, and I think fans are, are okay with that as well. Um, that's, what, that's what you want to hear. So he does and says all the right things. You just want to bottle that up and hope it stays forever. It's, he's a little bit like you, though. You just had a kid. You moved from Louisville. You're in Indianapolis. <laughs> you're covering the Colts and Pacers. you got you're a right. morning radio show. He's got it better mean, than me. Exactly. It's not just Tyrese Halliburton. You've got a good two. <laughs> who, who used to say when that? I think of Tyrese Halliburton, I think of Andy yeah, Sweeney. Exactly. Uh, you're so honored to be in this studio with me. The new yes, studios, uh, level four right. now. Uh, which Harbaugh said that? Who's got it better than us? That was Jim Harbaugh oh, when he yeah, was in the NFL, wasn't it? Yeah. Did he do yeah. that when he was with the San Francisco 49ers? Oh, I thought yeah. he did. I don't. It wasn't his brother-in-law, Tom Crean, correct? It was, it was no. Jim Harbaugh. No, again, I'm still, I'm still mad we didn't have Tom coach one of those interim games for Michigan this year. That was a missed opportunity to support your family there by Jim yeah. Harbaugh. Uh, JJ, last one from me. Um, well, I guess I got two. One, I'll just go a small one. Uh, any update on Jalen Smith? You know, that was weird. I thought about that on the way home, but that was a story that did not really get addressed before the game. There were so many things going on, and you saw him on the bench, and we thought there would be – an update or another evaluation when the team got back from Miami. So sadly, I don't I don't have an update. I do know before they left, there was a good feeling in that it uh, wasn't maybe as bad as it looked. But when he initially went out with the heel issue, it, it was a knee also. So I unfortunately don't have another update. And since they left so early on Tuesday morning, um, I've not even seen what the injury report is. So, so sorry, I can't update there on that situation. Okay, and then 112 allowed on Monday to the Celtics. Frankly. You know, Hogg said and Holcomb should again should have given everyone the day off of work for the Pacers only allowing 112 <laughs> on Monday. How much do you chalk that up to playoff type game? A little bit more scouting, a little bit more natural intensity to it all. Maybe some nerves. I mean, hell, that first quarter JJ was 24 to 22 at the end of one. How much do you chalk it up to that, or how much do you think a glimmer of hope in the Pacers defense is trying to be better than terrible? Yeah, I mean, there has to be a glimmer of hope because it wasn't against the Pistons or a team that's not good offensively. Now, Kristaps Porzingis didn't play, but even without him, that's still one of the most explosive and you know talented starting fives that you'll see in the NBA. So to do that against Boston, a team that's used to that environment and that situation, um, it says a lot. I, I you know I watched Caitlin Cooper's video yesterday, and she did a good breakdown on maybe some of the adjustments they made. I'll give a shout out to the coaching staff because. They've treated these in-season tournament games like playoff games, and they try to obviously win every game. But uh, the level of preparation that they have put into the games and then also the adjustments that they made at halftime, I think it's a really good sign in that they did some things dif- different defensively, even after an okay first half defensively, to show some different looks at Boston. And to me it shows they, want, they didn't want to just start the season changing styles and saying it didn't work after two games, let's go to something different. But now that they've got a few extra um, games of experience while they're trying to set their base, but then they can adjust during games depending upon the opponent, that gives you some hope for the future as well, that they're going to try to to play their sort of two versus two and and not just help on everything early. But then when the situation calls for it, they can throw some different help coverages and they can really do some things. And, And the main thing to me defensively is, 
They've got to both get stops, stop penetration, but they've also got to secure the rebounds. That's where they made huge improvements from the first half to the second half, and uh, that's what I'll be watching. It's always on the perimeter. Can they now be a layup line? Can they provide some resistance there? But then when a missed shot goes up, they've got to just be continually reminded about some of the importance of rebounding. And It's not just the center. It's the guards coming down. And and to see Tyrese Halliburton have double-digit rebounds, that is indicative of what they're trying to do to remind everyone you've all got to help on the glass and that's part of defense as well all right tomorrow night a five o'clock tip from vegas in the world of jeremiah johnson it's a six o'clock tip eagles versus golden eagles zionsville (laughs) and garen freshman (laughs) basketball jj i'm picturing you in the gym tomorrow night you've got the bally app uploaded ready to go we're on our we're we're praying the rosary the bally app works tomorrow night Uh and all of a sudden you've got a throng of people around you people are wondering what's going on in the stands and jj has got pacers and bucks on the phone yeah, well, I, I normally when I'm there, I try to do my part since I miss a lot of games and do the scorebook. But I am not volunteering <laughs> for the scorebook tomorrow. I'm going to be hiding in the corner of the stands, and I'll be watching both screens. I can multitask. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what happens, and, and hopefully uh, there will be another game on Saturday, and I can just meet the team in Detroit, and they'll make that trip from Vegas to Detroit on Sunday. JJ, great stuff the other night. The post-game interviews, as always, very on point. You know I love the halftime interviews with the respective assistants as well. So uh, always enjoy your work, and thanks for the time this morning. Yeah, you're a little bit of a junkie of those interviews. During the in-season tournament, I don't know if you could tell, we don't normally interview a player at halftime if the team's trailing, but we added <laughs> that. So that I give, I give credit to Bruce Brown. That's always a tough situation if – if uh, you're not winning and yet you still get to do that player interview seconds after the second quarter expired, so we were able to, to talk to Bruce Brown there at halftime and then Lloyd Pierce. The entire staff does a really good job, I think, of setting up the second half and we talked to them then as well. So great to have this inaugural run on the wake-up call. Yes, thank you, thank Jeremiah you, Johnson, for that. Enjoy the multitasking tomorrow night. Okay. That's JJ right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, I was I was thinking, uh, you see these things all the time. Uh, there was a video that went out, I guess it was yesterday, uh, of all these guys. There was a wedding on Saturday uh, during the SEC Championship, <laughs> and all the guys, you know, in the church. Where was the wedding? Was well, it in the well, South? Oh, I'm sure it was. No, I believe it was in the South. Uh, they all had their phones set up on the pew in front of them so they could watch Alabama and Georgia, little SEC uh, championship. I, um, I'm one day I will probably admit how much shame I have in some of the places I've watched sporting events from with my oh, phone. There is no shame. There is no shame. You're good to go. I, I am. Yeah, you're good to go. Would yeah. Matty Bone agree with that statement? Uh, I I don't know some of these places. I don't know if we're talking about <laughs> hospital delivering children. Oh, no, I'm sure any on. of those. No. How about the How about the guy? Well, I you, told you what Max Bowen's first sporting event was. Uh, Marshall Notre Dame football, yeah. uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what yep. a great game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll always want to remember right. that. I'm always fascinated, and I think sometimes this is a setup and it's not real. Perhaps it is real. The guy that brings the entire video game system to the hospital, 
have you ever have you not seen this? Like the wife is oh near boy. near no, ready I to have, give labor and he's playing Call it, of Duty. And, and I don't want to see it. There's no way that's real. <laughs> well, I mean, you can go you on the internet and find these the all the time. For that. I, listen, I, I can't believe the internet's that good to be, you know, playing someone over in the, the Philippines uh, Call of Duty or something. This world never ceases to amaze me. As Jeremiah Johnson said right there, no matter what happens, Andy, Thursday, Pacers are gonna be on the road a whole lot here upcoming um again it's no third place game so if the pacers lose tomorrow their next game will be in detroit on monday as jj said if they win they'll play saturday in vegas that will be the one extra game they would have this season and then obviously in detroit then their next home game is the 18th of december oh wow so you know remember when we had rick carlisle on really from the onset andy he's always said to us like gotta take advantage of the early right. schedule gotta take advantage win the home games of this early schedule um and i guess they Kind of did, kind of didn't do that. But yeah, upcoming next week, it'll be at Detroit, at Milwaukee, at Washington, at Minnesota before Paul George and the Clippers here a week from Monday. That is the 18th. By the way, I'm seeing this right now. The line continues to shrink for tomorrow night with the Pacers. Uh, Just a three and a half point dog. Oh, we went on the air. It was at least four, was it not? I think that's what I said. I looked it up this morning on DraftKings. You know, I guess the one interesting thing as well about this, about this entire thing is, and I know this happens, but like the stats aren't going to count if they go to the championship game. Right, that I mean, you'll find that at least alone. a little bit interesting if someone throws Does that up. Bother a, you? Well, I don't know if it bothers me. I just I only view it as what if someone throws up just an absolute amazing, <laughs> amazing game, right? If LeBron or Halliburton or Dame Lillard, Giannis, whoever is there, Zion, I guess Zion's still healthy. If you know, if someone throws up a fifty-five point fifteen rebound ten assist game, I guess it won't count. But we'll all we'll all remember it. But it just won't count towards the stats. I do find that a little bit interesting lord smoke in the youtube chat i'm mad i didn't think of bringing my game system to the hospital I told when you, my man. kids were being born I'm should we all you. pray for lord smoke's wife i i just want to meet lord smoke i want to know well, more i just want to know more about, i think it, i want to know I more about lord smoke 420 today you could find him <laughs> if you would like uh, pop quiz in a few that'll be 317-239-1070 for that one uh, let's lead off the morning check down with Indiana getting one on the road last night. Yeah, last night in Michigan, 78-75 winners were the Indiana Hoosiers. They moved to 7-1 on the season, 2-0 in the Big Ten. And KB, you've mentioned uh, a number of times today, C.J. Gunn, 8 points, had 4 steals, couple rebounds Big in, in the, the win last half. night. Big. Yeah, 20 points coming off the bench. The bench was good uh, within itself. I mean, they've been bad this year at times. Yeah, Sparks good. a free throw. Yeah, there you go. Pretty good last night. Post game, Mike Woodson talking about CJ Gunn and that bench. Yeah, I thought he was a big spark off the bench along with Anthony and Big Peyton and Caleb. They all were solid off the bench. And, you know, we're going to need that. You know, I mean, we're a little shorthand with X being on the side, but, you know, it's next man up and guys just got to be ready and step up and play. So I thought he was up making plays defensively and it was nice to see him have a, a nice breakout game because, you know, he, he's had his ups and downs this year, but I'm very happy and pleased to how he performed tonight. Yeah, they're not just shorthanded. Right now, Trey Galloway has some moments of shorthandedness. He can't throw it in the ocean, so they really need C.J. Gunn. Uh, and he hit a huge three to retake the lead with about eight to go, and then, like uh, Mike Woodson said, a couple of big steals 
as well. I thought Khalil Ware continues to be really, really good for Indiana uh, here early in the season. He had some big moments, again, on both ends of the floor there. As Indiana wins 78-75, the ball bounced their way in the final minute, but they certainly put themselves in a position to get that road win. Uh, so right now on the season, that is 2-0 in the Big Ten. It'll be Auburn coming up on Saturday. Neutral site game. Elsewhere locally last night, college basketball-wise, Butler, who is appearing in Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now, one of the last teams in. Really? They avoid a disaster on the resume. They had a big lead against Buffalo. Next thing you know, I flip over. Five-point game with three minutes to go. Uh, they ran away from the Bulls of Buffalo there late, though, 72 59 and Indiana State continues their great start to the season. They beat Northern Illinois last night to move to 8 and 1 on the year. I know it's not local, but it's Big 10. I mean, I find it super interesting. Michigan State lost again last night. They lost 70-56 at home to number 23, Wisconsin. I guess you could say, well, not a bad loss, Wisconsin. Top 25 team and everything else. Michigan State 4-4 four and four on the year. That is surprising, is it not? I mean, this was this was a team people thought was going to be like a one or a two seed. Yeah, they thought this right was there Izzo's w- chance. with Purdue, really. Yeah. I mean, they've lost two of their last three games. I know one of those was against Arizona, but they have four losses. And I'm sorry, the James Madison's not going to be a good loss. And the other ones are top 25 losses. But I don't know. I guess I'm still surprised just four and four on the season. Uh, If we're looking at Purdue, it'll be Alabama north of the border uh, coming up on Saturday afternoon. All right, last night in the NBA, we now know all four teams that are going to be in the play-in tournament. It was the Lakers. That was kind of a wild finish with the Suns there uh, in that second Western Conference semifinal. So tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, it is going to be Lakers and Pelicans. That is the other of these in-season semifinals. The Pacers and Bucks, like we said, 5 o'clock. And Andy, Jeremiah Johnson mentioned it earlier. It's crossover telecast, so it'll be on ESPN tomorrow. Pacers are on ESPN at 5 tomorrow. No Bally. We'll have the radio coverage, of course, but it'll be ESPN. And that lineup crew will be Mike Breen, Doris Burke, Reggie Miller from TNT sliding in there along with Lisa Salters. We, if we did that if we did that radio version, uh, me and you, you know, we they, they bring over some of the IBC people and it's like, it's like sports and politics. Like you're having to give a political take. That while sounds they're having like, to, like hell. <laughs> they're having to give a sports take. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what to say about Mike Pence. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. Yeah, who'd you vote? Figure Hawks it out. Shriek. Kevin, who'd you vote for? Well... <laughs> I don't know if it really matters. You want to make someone uncomfortable, ask them who they voted for. Well, now, that, that'll is be that the a one. fake cough by me to try to move on? Uh, I think it is. Hit the swoosh, guys. Let's segment. go ahead. Uh, Reds get the second pick of the 2024 draft. There's a feel-good story for Kevin Bowen and Eddie Garrison on this uh, on this Wednesday. And the Titans, they were so bad on special teams. Two punts. Their punter may have broke his leg or whatever happened to him. Uh, they shanked an extra point. Greg Ackerman used to be the Tennessee Titans. Titans special teams coach. He was fired yesterday. I'm sure that'll fix everything, Mike Vrabel. Steelers, Patriots, Thursday night football. Colts fans, you want the Patriots, as crazy as that might sound. Colts back to work today. It'll just be a walkthrough for Indianapolis. Um, I'm trying to think. Obviously, the return of Grover Shute. He's been in the building for a couple weeks now. He's now back, ready to go for Sunday. Do we see Juju Brents back in the lineup? I think there's some chatter that that could happen. Coming up this Sunday, where is he at after missing a month plus? Uh, And then Braden Smith. You know, he only played three snaps on Sunday, Andy. He exited very early in that game with a right knee injury. Blake Freeland continues to be 
I would say valuable. Valuable. valuable Very valuable. Um, as a fourth-round rookie here. So we'll watch that as the Colts get ready to take on the Bengals. Right now, that spread is the Colts as a one-point favorite. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070 for that one. As Andy Sweeney mentioned to you guys yesterday, the efforts of the pop quiz have been... Honestly, it's going to be good. Colts Pacers like here as of late. We'll see if we can continue that on this Wednesday morning. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz is next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, pop quiz time here on the wake-up call. Can't remember the guy's name yesterday, but he did pretty good. He got three or four, right? Was it Jackson? Yeah, I think Jackson did a pretty good job yesterday, so we'll see how we do today. I'm looking at it. Well, yesterday we had uh, two hockey questions, which is just such a just pathetic by Scotty that he would throw two hockey and we only on have one of these that says on this day in 1961 but it revolves around the Heisman trophy so you know it still might be you know 60 years old whatever well, it is we don't have 1892 we'll yeah you know that could happen that much. well they say that for Friday given that it's a freebie Friday so so the we'll Heisman is like this is definitely Jaden Daniels Heisman like Michael Penix and Bo Nix aren't winning it Marvin Harrison Jr. is not gonna win it I mean don't you I, I think that's what the odds say so that's what I'm saying I, I don't you know, I've seen Jane and Daniels play the least amount out of those four guys. I could be really wrong on this, and the answer could be last year. When's the last time the Heisman Trophy winner's been on a single-digit win team? Ooh, Scotty, there you go. That might be something for uh, down the it's road. Gotta be recent, on right? A pop quiz. What was Lamar Jackson's Cardinals? Uh, okay, so it had to be did, him. Did they, they win no, double they, digit? They no. never, they never won ten games. In fact, they they crapped away an Orange Bowl and a ten win season by losing to Kentucky. And then so they that won, was I think what twenty seventeen, yeah, eighteen, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that that was his second to last year. I guess his sophomore year. Uh, that would have been the year they had. They only won nine games that year. They never won ten games with Lamar Jackson. So that's that's exactly what it would have been. Yeah, I mean, a brief scan of it. it I mean that. That would be the only one I can even think of here as I look at the list. You know, he may not have winners. the wins, but but Brian Kelly just doing a great job there at LSU. Won double-digit games year number one. Heisman Trophy winner year number two. Yeah, that guy Heck stinks. of a coach. That guy stinks. That Brian Kelly. BK, that's what I call him. All right, what call do you want to throw in the caveat of, I respected what he did at Notre Dame, but he stinks. Oh, goodness. Every Notre Dame fan feels the exact same way. All right, KB, no, I'll let well, you pick. A lot of Notre Dame fans won't even respect what he did. I, I do respect what he <laughs> rebuilt at Notre Dame. Thank you, Brian <laughs> Kelly, for that. But stinks. Uh, let's go with caller number uh, nine wins. Uh, I don't know. That's too many callers. No way we have nine. Let's go with three. All right. That means Derek is on the line. Derek, what's going on, man? How are you? Good morning. Hello. Derek, we got you. Derek got too nervous. All right. Well, this also is our first taken phone call in the new studio. Well, we, we had Holder and JJ. Oh, uh, no, you're right. Yeah, we had Holder. So it's on Derek's Should phone. Should we try one more? And if not, maybe this could be a Kylan pop quiz. I mean, put her feet to the fire. All right. The phone better work. Kylan's never wanted the phone to work more in her life here. A Who do we got next, Kylan? We have Randy. Let's try Randy. Randy, you there? Randy, turn your, uh, turn your radio down, buddy. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? All right, there we go. Old faithful here. Never a doubt. Derek waits on hold for a long time, and then we go to him, and then he's not there. Randy, Derek got nervous. You're not nervous. Oh, I I thought I was gone just like him. Oh, well, 
You're alive. We can hear you loud and clear. How's life, Randy? Well, it, it's better now. <laughs> well, that is great to hear. We are glad this Wednesday pop quiz is bringing you to that level. Randy, I don't know if, if I've ever asked you this. What uh, what side of town do you uh, live on? I live in Fishers. Oh, nice. You see they're getting a uh, like an Arena League indoor football team? Yes, uh That'll uh, that'll go with the uh, hockey uh, team. So that's gonna be right by IKEA, right? The new stadium up there, or the new arena, I should call it. Yes. How about that? You uh, were you ever an arena football league guy? I actually went to some Firebirds games when they're located here yeah, in Indy. Yeah, Louisville had the Louisville Fire. Okay. Uh, oh, had, wait, we well, had the I mean, Firebirds. Well, Will Wolford had money in it. Like this, like a decade, really? like a decade ago. They've tried it a couple different times, and you know, I, I mean, other times it hasn't worked out. But oh yeah, I, you know, I've worked for a station that played the games. Absolutely. Now where sure. would they play down there? Uh, they played at well. They played at Freedom Hall. Did they the really? initial okay. rendition played at Freedom Hall. Then another group tried to play in the KFC Yum Center, but it didn't work out. Got it. Will Will Wolford, of course, uh, former color announcer here for the Colts. All right, Randy. Uh, congrats on getting on air, and I say that because you sound thrilled to be doing the pop quiz. Uh, Andy Sweeney, you want to throw number one? All right, Randy, let's go. Question number one. The final four for the inaugural NBA in-season tournament is set. Which of the following teams is not playing in tomorrow's semifinals? Is it the Pelicans, Bucks, Lakers, or Knicks? How about the Pelicans? You sure, Randy? Uh, Bucks. You sure, Randy? <laughs> Lakers. Oh, oh man. Knicks. Oh, jeez. Fishers. Oh. Fishers might. Uh, who's the mayor there? Scott, whatever his name is. He he might expel you. Are you a Fishers? Uh, are you a, a Tiger? Or are you a Royal? Are you HSC? Or are you Fishers? Uh, I did not grow up in Fishers. Uh, I actually grew up in Greencastle. DePaul is just devastated with you right now. Yeah. With that effort. Not there. A you good know anything, start, Randy. by the way, Randy, I know we're off topic here. You know anything about the new Pacers minority owner, Stephen Rails? He's a DePaul grad. No, I, I heard uh, something the other day about uh, there was a DePaul person that was involved, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I never I never heard the name. Yeah, 20% stake. All right, Pelicans, Bucks, Lakers, Knicks, please save us. Who's not alive? Uh, what was the third one? Pelicans, Bucks, <laughs> Lakers, or Knicks? <laughs> oh, we're already on to the second music. Knicks. All right. Mercifully. Kylan's already looped the music one time. Just got done with the first question. Randy's usually pretty, uh, pretty, pretty bright dude. Uh, you want to throw two at him, or did I ask? Uh, it doesn't matter. The Colts travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals on Sunday. The Colts lead the all-time series 20-12. to Who leads the series in the postseason, okay? Is it the Colts, the Bengals, they're tied, or they have never met in the postseason? I will say they are tied. Remember a big Dante Moncrief touchdown, Scotty, in that playoff. Well, I won't say the result of that game, actually. Uh, All right, number three here, Randy. Which team has committed the fewest penalties per game during the 2023 NFL season? I would not have gotten this right. Uh, Bengals, Vikings, Raiders, or Chargers? Hmm. Hmm. Let's go with, uh, we'll, we'll go with the Raiders. 
I boy, look at that, Randy. You don't see uh, the firing of the head coach and them still ranking high in penalties. All right, question number four. On this day in 1961, the Heisman Trophy was awarded for the first time to an African-American. Who is the first African-American to win the Heisman? Was it Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, Mike Garrett, Bobby Mitchell? I believe in 61 it was uh, Garrett. Number five here, Randy, to close it out on this day in 92, Jerry Rice of the 49ers caught his 101st career TD pass, breaking the NFL record. Rice would nearly double the record, finishing with 197 receiving TDs in his career. Whose record did Jerry Rice break in 1992? Don Hudson, Steve Largent, Don Maynard, or Paul Warfield? Hudson. All right. Not Randy's best performance, I think it's fair to say there. Randy usually does a Sorry, pretty Randy. nice job on the old pop quiz. Uh, unless I'm missing something, was the only one he got right, number three, the Raiders? I guess we held his hand to get number one right, but yeah, that was I, it, right? I, I think that's it. Yeah, the Colts hold uh, the Colts over Cincinnati in the postseason 2-0. The Bengals have obviously never beat the Colts in the postseason. And the 1961, the Heisman Trophy awarded to Ernie Davis was the answer to number four. He did not get that one. I think he went uh, where? Well, Mike Garrett, I believe, is where he went. Yep, and then the last one, he also missed that one. Steve Largent, not Don Hudson there. Randy, thank you for calling. Uh, Yeah, I remember that Colts-Bengals playoff win. Scotty, that would have been 2013? 14 in the run to the AFC title game? Oh, yeah, because then they went to Denver the next week, right? Yeah, 2013 would have been the Chiefs comeback. Uh, Luck to Moncrief. That's what I remember about that game. I remember A.J. Green not having a big game, and Marvin Lewis just lost every playoff game he coached, I think. Was it our guy, uh, Derek, who went to who went to Germany and was wearing the Moncrief jersey for oh, the yeah. folks there? It was, was that him, Derek was it that not? couldn't get on the line there? I think it was Derek who was couldn't trying get on the, to put on the I Moncrief think it was, jersey. yeah. He was trying to get the Moncrief jersey on. <laughs> no good luck quiz. this time. No good luck. How about this right here from Elvis? Uh, not, I don't think Presley, but Elvis tweets at us. This morning show needs more location spots and morning drinking. Sponsored by some sort of mimosas or screwdrivers. Are you in for that? Uh, yeah. I, Are you I, a Bloody Mary guy? I am not a Bloody Mary guy. I know JMV is. Uh, really? I'm, I did not know yeah, that about John. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know why I know that. I guess, you, know, <laughs> you and John have some bloody. I, I have absolutely no idea, but I am very much, especially college football Saturdays, NFL Sundays, there's no you have to wait to 11 a.m. or noon or whatever fake timeline people want to give you. I am very much a wake up, and if you want a mimosa to get the baby going on Saturday and Sunday, let's go. God, sign me up for that. So for the London games, you're just cracking right at nine nine thirty when it when it tips uh, when it kicks. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, I I think that's that that's why they're that's well, why yeah, they're of course here you for can. us. I'm asking, yeah. do you? Um, I did not for the Colts. No, no. Who played the week before? Uh, the Chiefs Dolphins, Dolphins, right? Yeah, great game. Chiefs Dolphins. I did not, but the Colts. I want to say it got to about ten fifteen, and I thought, you know, let's get the bush Why lights the hell going. Am I watching yeah, this what game? Else, what else do I have to do but sit here and hang out with the baby the rest of the day? Nothing to do. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons to drink during that one. You know what we have this week in the NFL? What's that? We are back to the dual Monday nighters, and they're tipping. Oh, yes. I keep on saying tipping. They're kicking at the same time. 
Okay, I'm looking at it. Well, I mean, no offense. These, these are not games, good games. I mean, what are we doing here? Could <laughs> well, we they, cross matchup? Could I, we? It's Titans, Dolphins, Packers, Giants. Could we swap? Can we go Titans, Giants, and then Packers, Dolphins? I did see Brian Dable's like, our best chance of winning is with Tommy DeVito, which is a terrible sentence. For your favorite team to hear, but it's also, but it's also, hey, how about, how about we go with the guy who has a less chance of winning so we have a better draft pick? It's not Tyrod Taylor. It's not Tyrod Taylor. That's a big one. Again, the Packers were left for dead. If they won, what, four in a row? And boy, the Dolphins are going to crush the Titans. You can't see that be any other way, can you? I could see the Giants and Packers being a game in the second half. It does just, sound like Derrick Henry might play. It sounds like Henry honestly did not suffer a concussion. So that was, oh, I mean, did he you not? talk about a great break the Colts got late in that game. Well, Franklin knocked him out. I mean, he got hit, and so he was kind Rabel of vulnerable. Made it clear, like, you know, he went in to get checked, and I don't know if by the time he got checked, the game was over basically. or what, but basically he said he was not in concussion protocol as of Sunday night. Well, that's good for them. Um, Spears was good when he came in. Again, I, I, didn't, was good. I didn't think there was any sort of a fall-off, but, I mean, I just, the Titans, that offensive line stinks. That defense isn't very good. If the Colts can score at will, I mean, I'm sure Tyree Kill has a couple touchdowns on Monday. Week 14 games of note. Eagles-Cowboys speaks for itself on Sunday Night Football from a Colts interest standpoint. Patriots over Steelers is what you want tomorrow night. And then on Sunday, and again, I'll list the teams that you would want to beat the other team. You want the Jets to beat the Texans. You want the Chargers over Broncos, right? Chargers still have a one-game worse record than the Broncos, I think. Yes. And then you would want the Chiefs to beat the Bills. Uh, Jags-Browns, where do you go on that one? I think with only a one-game gap, are you now cheering for the Browns? Yeah. Even though they're just ahead of you in the wild card? I I guess, okay, so last week we did this, and I went with the other team, and I said, no, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've won the AFC South, so just have them keep winning. Granted, Jacksonville does have the head-to-head tiebreaker. I know, so that's what makes it difficult. I, I, I guess I would still go with Jacksonville there just because I'm still viewing the Colts through the wild card prism, but that might not be the case. I still just, I can't believe that Doug Peterson, they're going to run Trevor Lawrence out there. I just can't believe it. Again, it sounds like, uh, well, at least Doug Peterson is either playing things extremely close to the vest. It does sound like, you know, the injury itself was not as severe as, you know, it looked. But um, right now, Lawrence, they have not ruled him out for Sunday. <laughs> But they've done this thing where they're like, where Peterson's like, it's just a high ankle sprain. Yeah, but that's usually a very bad injury to have that people say, you know, it's going to take two or three weeks and that's going to be a sore ankle the rest of the season, right? If you look at their schedule, it's a little bit easier on the back end. Oh, it is. Here in the final five weeks, I want to say it's Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa. It is. And then what is it like? Carolina and Tennessee. Okay, Carolina Carolina and Tennessee. There to end it. Uh, All right, we'll do it one final time here. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, final segment of the show. (laughs) I thought the audio had glitched again. (laughs) Well, there's... That was cut so we could put little drops in between, like with like yesterday when it says KB, and then what did you say yesterday? I mean, you said what kind of nuts are these? Or I like nuts. You said something I like know, that. I we know. could have clipped there, that and put that in there. I, I think he that wants was to the, see the nuts. There, thank you. I think the exact quote was, <laughs> "I need the nuts." 
You asked me if I wanted to see the nuts, you know, radio uh, broadcast call with video in it, and you called it nuts, and I, yeah. I, uh, is that what we were talking about? I've already about? said too much. No, you have I said too much. I had people throughout the day tweet at me, going back and listening to the podcast, nuts, LOL. Nuts. Like, yeah, I well, regret it. That's, that's the stuff the sports radio listeners like, and so you gave them uh, sustenance. Uh, you gave <laughs> them the humor and the comedy. Uh, anyway, Query and Company coming uh, your way at noon, JMV at 3 o'clock today. You miss any of their shows or our show, 1075thefan.com. You can go back and, uh, you know, look at the YouTube as well. By the way, if it looks a little bit different, we moved from floor six to four. So thank you to all the people, engineers, and everyone in yeah, between. Skyler Wood, the entire crew. Oh, just fantastic having yeah. us uh, come in here. And everything's went very, very well today. So we appreciate them, our new digs here, for quite a while. You know, I wanted to bring your way. I think you did see this. So, you know, that's, a, that's the most difficult thing with doing a show with you, KB. Uh, you mainline Twitter like I do. So uh, it's hard to <laughs> To get too yeah. much past you, but but Jim Trotter, who is with the Athletic, longtime NFL insider, he tweeted out yesterday, uh, just organically. He says, "If I were to rank my NFL Coach of the Year candidates today, they would be as follows in an extremely close race. Number one." Indianapolis's Shane Steichen, number two, Houston's uh, D'Amico Ryans, number three, everybody else. What did you make of that? Who would be three if you were to come up with a list? Because I agree with the first two. Other names I thought about, um, I know people laugh at Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Andy, they're starting. He's done a good job. They're on their fourth different starting QB. He's done a good job. Nick Chubb ripped up his knee in what, week one or two? They've lost both their tackles. Um, And then I guess... Let me ask a question of you, and then I'll give you a couple other names. How do you view Coach of the Year? Do you view Coach of the Year as the team that had the lowest expectations and have overachieved the most? Or do you give rewards to like really good teams that obviously the coach has got them to be good? Like Mike McDaniels, for instance. Mike McDaniels, Dan him. Campbell. Sure, like, I Dan mean, Campbell. I, I think people thought the Lions could have a breakout year, but still, like they're backing it up. So I guess how do you view it? And I've used the Big Ten analogy before. Do you give the award to Matt Painter? Mm-hmm. You, they were picked to finish one, but they won the Big Ten by three games. Or do you give it to Chris Collins because it's Northwestern and now they're making the tournament? Yeah, Kentucky fans, when I followed their program, would always complain because Cal never wins SEC Coach of the right, Year. Right. <laughs> now, he doesn't have quite the standards that he used to have, but you know, seven years ago when they were winning all those games, uh, that was very much a conversation piece. I think Dan Campbell absolutely should be on here. Are he we missing anybody? Shot, did he not? I mean, did they kind of call their shot? I mean, the Lions, the Lions were supposed to be good. They've lived up to expectation. And usually when the Lions are picked to be good, they fall on their face. I mean, outside of the Thanksgiving Day game, they've lived up to those expectations. I think Steichen deserves heavy, heavy consideration 100%. for it. Um, you know, he's done it with his backup. You know, D'Amico Ryan should be up there as well. I mean, for what it's worth, Ryan's obviously has had C.J. Stroud throughout the season. You know, it's kind of funny how the Minshew narrative has changed. Remember at the start of the year, it was, if you start Minshew, you might win more games than if right. you started Richardson. And now Minshew's viewed as like the, oh, no, 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 you would have won a lot less games. But uh, even, think of Min- even think of Minshew, we've had the conversation of, you know, he was good and then he went through a stretch that he was bad, and we said, well, what do you expect? Gardner Minshew's a backup quarterback, and now, you know, he really rebounded. Uh, if you're not watching the full game and you see the three or four or five big throws that he made against Tennessee, you know, I would even throw 
if Denver made the playoffs, I would throw Sean Payton on that list. I mean, they okay. were they okay. were an abject failure. Um, they went and made some moves at the trade deadline, and he kind of made the roster his own. He's made Russell Wilson. Now, I know Russell Wilson was bad last week. He had three or four interceptions. But I think Sean Payton, I wouldn't have him winning it, but I would have Sean Payton potentially on that list. Mike McDaniel's the same. Uh, this just in from the Indiana football program, Jalen Lucas into the transfer hmm. portal. Certainly has been one of their... Uh, very few playmakers over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, they try to get the ball in his hands a whole lot. So, Kurt Signetti and company. It's a lot we of work. Continue to watch that. Donovan McCauley, I saw Kentucky maybe a visit. Purdue, oh, uh, Mississippi State offered. Kentucky's all in on him. Kentucky's all in on so him. Kurt Signetti having to re-recruit a lot of that roster. And again, if there are any guys that would qualify as guys you would want back, McCauley, Lucas, some of those offensive linemen. Would be that, and we'll see what Indiana does at uh, quarterback as well. You know, Brennan Soresby into the portal, and uh, there's been no obvious returns on that. Kind of a quiet night here locally from a sports scene. Uh, we've got nothing from an appointment. Uh, Pacers, Purdue, Indiana, Butler. Uh, but again, the Colts back to work later today. I'll be up at the complex, and I will continue to update you on that. Thank you to Stephen Holder. Thank you to Jeremiah Johnson for that. What is your Wednesday viewing? What do we go I, with I don't here? know. What do we do on a Wednesday when there's nothing to watch? Like, uh, like legit, what so do we do? So these are the losing NBA teams that play tonight, right? Yeah, the, the in-season yes, lo- losers? The, the losers teams like the Denver Nuggets are playing tonight. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think like, all of us are Yes, loser, I understand but. what you're saying. Oh, tonight's a night where you rest, right? And get ready for the long weekend. I, I will hand the remote to Maddie and be very happy about that. <laughs> tonight. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy.